everybody, welcome back to yet another Tuesday show as my transition is not happening. There it is, okay. Welcome everybody to the Tuesday show. I'm James Chen. Hey, I'm Ultra David. That's right, it's another week of me traveling all the way over to Santa Monica, California from where I live, which is a schlep. And today it did take me a while, that's why we are exactly three minutes late. <laughs> you know, mostly the traffic has gone back to normal here in Los Angeles, but sometimes... Normal means that it's more than you expect. Yeah. That's to be expected here in L.A. So I have once again appeared. Ajax might be joining us. We'll see if he decides to drive over or not. It's like I said, so, you, I was about to say, you've got to warn Ajax about this little bit of extra traffic, right? So, I, I will. I will. I'll let him know. I'll let him know. So there actually was quite a bit to talk about today. We had some interesting news over the past week. There, of course, was the Japanese Fighting Game Publishers Roundtable. That's what we're going to start off by talking about. Oh, yeah. But there's also tomorrow's uh, Capcom Summer Update. What do we think is going to happen there? There were a few tournaments to discuss, which is pretty cool. Uh, we have some interesting 5-5 matchup topics to discuss, uh, such as... Um, Let's see, what do you think about needing to take a break from online tournaments? What do you think about <laughs> these reaction tests? That sort of stuff. There's some other game news as well. There's some community news. And that's going to be the show. All right. So, I mean, obviously, look, in terms of you know news from where we've been in during this quarantine and since you know the online tournaments have stopped, this is probably one of the most significant news weeks that we've had in a while because obviously this Japanese developer roundtable happened and a lot of things were announced uh, that were probably slated for EVO. Oh yeah, absolutely right. Right. So let's start talking about this. So the Japanese fighting game publishers roundtable happened over the past week. It was a roundtable, really. You know, last week when we talked about what we expected, my expectation was that there would just be trailers that each publisher would show up and they would say oh you know we were planning to do this stuff at evo but evo's not happening this year so instead we're just going to show our trailers here hey arxis what trailer do you have oh that was cool hey bandai Namco, what trailer do you have oh that was <laughs> honestly that's all i thought it was going to be so my expectations coming to this were extremely low but it turned out that it really was a round table and they actually had discussions about stuff yeah. among themselves so there were uh bandai namco reps there were arc system works arika snk koi tecmo and capcom and that's like a great list of publishers of japanese fighting games and they actually did talk about things what did yeah. you think about it uh look i i know a lot of people were upset and mad at the round table. And I'm, you know me, I'm always the person who tries to look at everything more in a more positive fashion. I loved okay. it, okay? I thought the okay. round table okay. was awesome. If just for, I mean, it wasn't even as so much as the information and the announcements, but one, the fact that it was even put together, because Jiuna mentioned this in the Bandai Namco uh, stream where him and... Uh, Michael Murray were doing English basically translations and kind of commenting on this stuff. Japanese developers never do stuff like this. <laughs> you know, in fact, you know, you know, Capcom 
back in the Street Fighter 4 days never wanted to do hitbox viewers and frame da put out frame data because they thought people would steal their ideas and tech not you know like this is the kind of situation that we had with fighting with Japanese developers the fact that they were able to put this together one was really really impressive right yeah secondly oh is there an audio desync right now uh, hang on, let me finish this thought and then I'll see if I can fix the audio really quick. Probably not going to happen unless I stop the stream and start it again. So uh, what do you think, David? What do you want me to do? Finish the thought and then we'll talk about it. Okay. The second thing that re really impressed me was just how much they all kind of got along. And how much that they were just like trolling each other, having a good time, hanging out, laughing about things, you know. It just it just really seemed like they were having a good time. And, and I really, really appreciated that. I mean, Harada was trolling everybody with all those photos and everything. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I don't Pictures know if, of other people's bosses. Yeah, did you see the faces of the Capcom guys when Ono's picture came up? <laughs> no, I didn't see their faces, no. I didn't know that. But yeah, <laughs> like uh, seriously though, I mean, it was just really cool to see. And yeah, they had a round table, they discussed things. People are mad because there's no KOF 15. They didn't talk that much about netcode and such. But the whole idea is that they did it. And people are even talking to Harada on Twitter right now saying, please do more of this. And Harada was like, yeah, yeah we'll look into it. And if they keep doing it, I mean, it's, it's got to be good. They talked about rollback. Fexel guy talked about rollback a little bit. You know, it was brought up, so it wasn't like it was some forbidden topic they weren't allowed to talk about. They just probably couldn't say much about it because Japanese company, you know, kind of things like so, that. So, okay, um, I guess let's start talking about what they actually did discuss well, then, right? Before that, what did you think of it? Okay, sure. So I agree with you. Uh, my expectations, like I said, were so minimal. I thought it was just going to be nothing. I thought nobody would have a real conversation. If they did, it would be like, hey, how are you? I hope your family's fine. You know, like, <laughs> whatever. So the fact that there even was a conversation actually exceeded my expectations. Okay. And I was happy about that. As we'll get to, they didn't talk about everything that everybody wanted them to talk about. But I was just happy that they were actually talking in a way that felt interesting and could be constructive moving forward um, so so my my impression was pretty positive to be honest I would love to see more of it I think it was a nice little starter and maybe in the future they could address other issues or maybe in the future even as as they said maybe we could that is to say the publishers could share data and ideas a little bit more and Michael Murray you, you said was uh, providing some translations here and there did also say that Harada has always been that guy who would like right. to share info and know-how and data and all that sort of stuff and that's part of how this all got going right this this roundtable got going was was him um, so I would love to see more of it I think it could be really constructive moving forward I'm you know, I wish that they had talked about more stuff, but uh, I, I was happier with it than I expected to be. Yeah. So uh, one last thing I wanted to say also was shout-outs, by the way, to Michael Murray and Giuna for doing all the translation work on the Bandai Namco, uh, the, the their uh, English stream. I thought that was really cool that they had that set up there for the American audiences. Oh, that was great, yeah, to have 
at least a little bit more. I was kind of hoping that, like, FGC Translated would translate the entire thing. But then I checked the FGC Translated channel, and there hasn't been an update there in a long time. Uh, so, oh, no. I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. But. I guess that all uh, in any case falls on a high fight now. No, it's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Guy's not overworked as it is already. <laughs> right, yeah. He's so busy. Putting roll back into footsies, you know, and all this other stuff. So it's a little. As busy. far as the people who were there, I, I did think it was pretty cool. I didn't know some of them. Uh, I haven't met, for example, the people who work from for Capcom there. Uh, I didn't, you know, know some of the other folks, um, but I certainly had heard of most of them, and I thought it was pretty cool. Like you said, to see them talking with each other and palling around with each other. I don't know why Ono wasn't there. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what Capcom's deal is. I mean, I, I feel like I don't think Ono probably knows enough technical stuff, maybe, and so they just wanted some of the devs there a little bit, you know, just to be able to give any sort of feedback if technical questions came up or anything like that, so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, they talked about stuff like, how do you choose which characters go into your game? Mm-hmm. So, that was pretty interesting. I don't know that that's why I watched this program it's not like again i didn't expect a real conversation but if there were going to be a real conversation that wasn't like something that i had (laughs) wondered about but maybe other people did and and i thought it was kind of interesting anyway they talked about crossplay. by the way that was cool about that character selection thing the reason why i did like them talking about it is because they did talk about having to consider all these different outside factors that a lot of people you know they always just say put character in the game put character in the game but you know they're like oh what's their popularity their appeal we want to try to get as many different ethnicities in there and everything you know a diversity and stuff i was glad they kind of talked about that you know i don't know how you know how much it ends up actually affecting a lot of the decisions you know but there's definitely a lot of extra things to consider so for sure okay so they did talk about crossplay and i thought that was important crossplay is something that i'm hoping will be all over the place because you know more and more fighting games are being announced not just on ps4 but also on pc in some cases on xbox as well like mk already has Xbox right. and PC cosplay. KI's had it PC to Xbox for years. Um, and that's really great, you know, honestly, to be able to play against a larger player base is awesome for the people actually buying and playing the games. So it's something I would love to see more of, and I was really happy that they addressed it. It was interesting to say or to hear that they didn't think that it was like a technical problem, right? That it was more yeah. about. What what are the resources? You know, what are the uh, sort of business strategies related to that? It was more on those angles yeah. than like, can we is this feasible technically? Right. E- even even discussing, you know, just probably the ideas that like PS Sony originally didn't want to allow people to do crossplay at all. And uh, I was kind of glad to hear that they all basically said, yeah, we, we would love crossplay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be the desire to have, to not splinter the player base, you know? So, yeah, for sure. Again, it's, it's just another thing, you know, kind of pointing to the fact that a lot of times people don't understand that a lot of the things that they want to do, they just can't do because of external circumstances, you know? 
Right. If they had all the resources and didn't have to think about other people's business strategies and, you know, yada, yada, they would do whatever they could. But those are things that have to be considered. It's a business. <clears throat> uh, they talked about uh, sticks versus pads. I thought that was such a, like, 40-year-old game developer's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like a very interesting question. It was an interesting set of answers from people who are older and live in a country that has more arcades. Now, arcades there are struggling too right now, but right, yeah. um, does have more. It's more of an arcade presence than almost anywhere in the world at this point. So for them, it's like more maybe of like where we were ten years ago, where mm -hmm. it's like, hey, some players are starting to do pretty well on pad. What's that about? And, you know, eventually we all got used to it. Now many of the best players in many of the games are on pad. For us, that's a conversation that, like, doesn't... No, we don't even have anymore. Do you, you know? do you even remember, like, back in 2010 and 2011, it was like, Fangief and Snake Eyes are pad players. Knuckledew is a pad player. Like, we mentioned that on commentary every time they came up. We did, we did. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and now we don't even bother... Uh, in fact, in the MK scene, it's the opposite. Biohazard is the only top player who plays on stick. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's completely opposite now. So, yeah. I, you know, it was interesting to hear their thoughts, but I thought that was kind of a talk that, like, I don't know. I didn't well, think needed to happen. To me, to me, it was important. I thought it was a okay. really, really important conversation Especially because, you know, Harada was there and this was kind of constructed by Bandai Namco. Yeah. Bandai Namco is the company, especially the tech and division, that needs to understand this the most. Because okay. their execution requirements in Tekken are based off of joystick buttons. Okay. You know, for example, uh, Electric Wind Godfist, right? On a, on a hitbox is trivial. You can do it 99% of the time. Anyone could do it 99% of the time, right? On a joystick and a buttons, you have to practice. And some people have practiced for years to get good at that. There's a move that Heihachi has, which is forward, neutral, and then down, forward, plus three buttons. Not even down, down, forward. Just straight down, forward. So if you move the joystick so that you click on the switches even one frame apart, the move won't come out. Oh. But on a cross-up, like, people were like, can you do this Can you do this move, James, on the cross-up? And I couldn't understand what they were trying to get me to do because I didn't understand the move. And as soon as they, right. they explained it to me, I was like, oh, you mean like this? I did it first try. And everyone was like, oh, my God. They're like, do it again. And I did it again, second try. Did it again, third try. Did it again, fourth try. And so Bandai Namco really needs to understand now that there are different input methods to the games that we have out there. So for me, hearing them talk about that, I thought was kind of important. And maybe that means that, you know, they have to consider coming up with different kinds of execution requirements that don't rely on the difficulty of coordinating joystick and button and, and, and micro switches and things like that, you know? So to me, I thought it was kind of a, a valid discussion and something that, you know, like you said, it's very archaic, but unfortunately that's what Tekken's been doing. They haven't changed in nine games now. 
you know, mm. and so it's important, I think, that this discussion was had and maybe now the Bandai Namco Tekken team will have to consider trying to do something else with it. That, yeah, fair points. Definitely makes sense. They had said that they were going to talk about more stuff. Uh, I think there were five official topics that they were going to get to, and they got to four of them. So mm -hmm. not everything that they wanted to talk about. Um, they had sort of a broad question about, like, player experience or something yeah. that they all had, like, extremely different takes on. It was such a broad question that it was, like, whatever anybody wants to say about it was, was fine because it was so broad. Uh, I had hoped that one of them would take it to more uh, direct netcode mm. conversation, and that didn't really happen. Um, we did find out that Harada said that over 50% of the Tekken console player base is playing on Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so okay, there you go. There's a bit of info. Um, but there you go. Uh, the official question is not about netcode. Uh, like I said, I was surprised that they actually had a conversation, and I would love to see more of it. I think it's cool to hear people who are experts in whatever they do talk about it in a collaborative setting. I'm kind of down with that regardless of the topic, but when it's something that is obviously super important to me, fighting games, it is even more important. I think it's even cooler for me. So I, I think that I was happy with it, not just because I didn't expect them to talk about something like rollback netcode, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, because I thought it was cool to see. Yeah. Really. I thought it was nice. Now, I would I would love if they had talked about rollback. Of course. I had no expectations, course. but I sure. I, I would love if they had done that. Maybe if there's enough positive feedback, they do it again. Maybe they talk about it at that point. We'll see. Yeah, agreed. And, and, you know, that's the thing, is that if this is positively received, and then, you know... Next, if they do it again, and Fexel guy comes back and goes, Hey, you know, we sold, we had a new uptick in sales for Fexel when we rolled out the rollback code. <laughs> right, <You yeah>. <laughs> then everybody else might go, Hmm, <laughs> you know, oh man. I mean, look, after all, many of them are working on it. Um, Harada believes that Tekken has it, but. Uh, for real, Strive is putting it in. Capcom actually has it. They just didn't do a good job in Street Fighter V, mm -hmm. but, like, Marvel Infinite actually is okay. Uh, Arika put it in. Like, there, that is happening. It's just, like, not happening very quickly. Now, and some games probably will never get it. I mean, we'll probably get to this a little bit later on, but I want to address this just because uh, Gundam Jehudi Kai mentions this in the chat. He says that the rollback in Fexel isn't even particularly good right now. And I've heard from somebody else that it was amazing, that it was like silky smooth. So uh, I'm curious, you know, for those of you who have tried it, and it was on sale this past weekend. I should have picked it up. I don't know if it's still on sale, but I should have grabbed it. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to try it because I've been working on a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd be curious to see how it works. I mean, I, look, it's probably still better than Street Fighter V. I'll just say that much. So <laughs> interesting. So Paco Stevens, who of course uh, works at Netherrealm, regarding the fifty percent stat about Wi-Fi, says only fifty percent. That's low. Uh, he can't share exact info about their games, which makes sense. But he can share that most multi-million player games 
are 65 to 80 percent mm -hmm. on Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Interesting. Because it just requires such a specific. I mean, on one-player games, it really doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't affect a lot of stuff. If you're serious enough about multiplayer games, you probably will take the work to set up power line adapters or, you know, 100 feet cables like I have running through my house yeah. and getting yeah. them through the carpet and everything. You know, I bought a rug just to put over a network cable just so people won't trip on it and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, if all I'm doing is playing God of War or Ghost of Tsushima or, you know, whatever, Wi-Fi works great. I used to sure. use Wi-Fi all the time before I, I, you know, started playing more fighting games and stuff on my consoles and everything. So, I just I, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's convenient. It's easy. It doesn't affect most of your games. So, yeah, that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Boone was um, goading people. <laughs> Ed Boone obviously works uh, well. Created Mortal Kombat. You know, obviously works at NRS still. Uh, he was definitely out there talking about rollback at the same time. So I don't know if he was watching or if he was, like, hearing about what the conversations were about or what. Uh, I think it'd be super cool if there could be conversations like this in other fighting game circles. Oh, or, yeah. ideally, just, like, what if all the big fighting game developers had a conversation, whether you're yeah. in... Japan or NA or wherever else it might be, right. I think that would be super interesting. Yeah, the hardest part about that one, obviously, would be the translation issues. Sure, yeah. You know. Time zone. All, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be tough. But well, time zone sucked for all the Japanese guys already. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be super cool. All right, let's talk about the announcements then. Uh, sure, yeah, let's do that. Alright, this is not in any particular order. For Bandai Namco, Tekken Season 4 was announced. Yeah. New moves for all the characters. Yeah. They they teased some new character. Or returning character, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most people, their prediction is it's Kunimitsu. Yeah, uh, I read that, yeah. Who hasn't been in a mainline Tekken game since 2. I think she was yeah. in Tag 2, but hasn't been in any of the the mainline Tekken games since Tekken 2. But why is that the prediction? I've read that people have thought that it was her, but not why they thought so. I don't know. That's what uh, everybody I'm, said. I'm, as soon as the picture yeah. came up, I was like, there's a thing on the thing, and everyone's like, Kunimitsu, and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't get it either, and I didn't see anybody explain it, so <laughs> I don't know. I did read the same thing, that people think that it's Kunimitsu. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, that's cool. It's cool to see that Tekken has continued cool. to be supported yeah. and going to a season four. I mean, what I, I have heard, you know, some grumblings that, you know, like Tekken players are a little concerned now just because Leroy came out so busted and Fakumran came out with the like terrible hurt boxes and everything that they're mm. scared of a new season, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, okay. But, you know, breathing life into the game, adding new mechanics or whatever, because, like, I know in Season 2 they added the wall bounces and such like that. So, you know, I think it would be really cool uh, to see what else they can add to the game. I mean, if Harada just, like, drops the hammer all of a sudden, he's like, okay, we are having true rollback in Season 4. Like, oh! like people would go nuts. But, you know, then yeah, he would probably awesome. charge $30 for it, and then everybody would get mad. So, you know. 
but <laughs> I'm not a second player, but if I were, I would happily play thirty dollars. Dude, take my money, please. One hundred percent. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's also a Wi-Fi indicator when people play on Wi-Fi in Tekken, so enjoy that. Shaming that's people. Not, that, that exists in yeah. That exists in NRS games, the last couple of them, and. I don't know that that's had a big impact on whether people actually play on Wi-Fi or not. I suspect it hasn't. I mean, my my like lived experience of playing in the last couple of games on ranked and whatever else is that it doesn't actually feel different. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's great netcode that they have, mm. but I, I don't know. Everyone keeps saying Hayab- Ryu Hayabusa from the Ninja Gaiden series as instead of Kunimitsu. Some people in the chat are saying, you guys can't, don't, don't forget that Ryu Hayabusa is already in Dead or Alive, okay? <laughs> He's already in Dead or Alive, so I don't know. That would technically be a crossover guest character uh, from another fighting <laughs> game. But what you can do, at least for Wi-Fi, is, uh, is know like, which players that you personally know are on it. It's just, I mean, again, in the NRS scene, the players who you know are playing on Wired. In almost every case. There are very few counterexamples of that, and I don't think there's any left now. Because there are already people who take it seriously enough to be a player that you know, right? So, Anyway, it's cool. I'm, I'm happy to see it. They also said that their Season 4 was intended to have already come out, at least uh, at the beginning of it, but push back due to COVID, which makes right. sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I imagine that's the case for a lot of this. In Soul Calibur 6, Setsuka was announced. Uh, also, new DLC stage and character creation content. Mm-hmm. And uh, Balance Patch. Balance Patch along with it. All of it's out already. And uh, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is available. I haven't messed with Setsuka yet. I saw her okay. on the character select screen. <laughs> That's all I. Okay. <laughs> I've confirmed that she's there. And uh, but once again, Okubo and team have put out another wonderfully extensive patch note document, and uh, their team is like, bar none, the best patch note uh, document creators in the in the FGC right now in the business. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she looks cool. It's, All right. it's really funny to me because it really is the, 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 the invasion of the Umbrella characters. Is <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In DBFZ, the other game that they publish, new announcement coming later this month. Womp womp. Yeah, aren't they going to have their own like little press conference thingy or something like that? Yeah, kind of like Capcom's it. doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, what they said was that uh, they had tried to get some stuff ready for this. It's just not ready yet, so... Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as Arc System Works go for Strive, they announced uh, Leo is coming back, and they also showed off that new character, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we expected. I was really cool, or really happy to actually see it. His name is Nagori Yuki, mm-hmm. and he's pretty cool looking. Dude, he's so awesome looking. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, look, I'm telling you right now, Guilty Gear has upped the waifu and husbando factor like by like seven thousand i swear not only is like chip ripped as hell and like zato is ripped as hell and millie is just beautiful but i mean leo was already kind of like a pretty studly dude but now he just looks 
Like, he's so suave in this game, dude. And I'm actually really surprised they chose to bring him back considering everybody has, uh, you know, been talking about how much he's like Unga and Gorilla character and everybody hates fighting him. And okay, he's like, he's one of the only characters in Guilty Gear Rev 2 that kind of forces you to have to use the just defend in order to fight him because without it like he's that much scarier to deal with now there's no more just defending in this one so there's no more reducing the so i'm wondering how they get they gave him a command grab you gave that, leo yeah. a command <laughs> grab like you know all the yeah. leo players were probably like ah you know and everybody else was like no what have you done <laughs> But, it was definitely cool to have Giuna doing the translation on that because he is a Leo player. I thought that was it was funny to see his reaction. Yeah, <laughs> and then Sejam at the exact same time said no, <laughs> so you can see him back to back. But yeah, uh, Nagoriyuki is super sick looking. I mean, yeah, awesome looking character. I just he's just such a beautiful character and I, I just I like the character design. I like, mm-hmm. you know, the way he looks and everything. I just I think the way that he he, you know, he's a cool representation for the cast. And I'm really excited to see what kind of craziness he has cuz you know the trailer's probably barely scratched the surface of what kind of crazy mechanics he has built into himself because right Guilty Gear has always been that way, right? It's like, "Oh, I've got coins that do this. I've got this demon puppet yeah. that I can control, you know, and I'm sure he's going to have some crazy craziness in him, but I mean, what an awesome character design and just just I don't know. I, uh, everything about him, I just think he's just so sick. He's just like the coolest looking guy. Is he a vampire? Yes. That th- they put out a little bit of a uh, uh, notes I in there that. that he's a vampire. So yeah. Okay. So- <laughs> oh, Slayer's not in it, is he? In Strive. So far. Okay. So far. <laughs> I would be sad if they kind of sad. I hate fighting him, but I feel like Slayer is just one of those characters that should be there. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I mean, well. I mean, maybe there are two vampires. I don't know. We'll see. I'm 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 excited, obviously, for Strive a lot, and you know, it's they're delaying it a little bit because of COVID and everything like that. But it also seems like that they've been really receptive to a lot of the polls and everything out there they're putting the rollback in there so i have a lot of hope for this game i, I i'm wondering if the you know the beta and the final release are going to be very different from each other and they said they're going to give us an extra beta right before it releases or something like that so they also announced the pc version of strive which i was very happy to hear about yeah, yeah. pretty cool as far as grand blue fantasy versus they will have an announcement next week, a.k.a. this current week. Okay. So, we'll see. They mentioned Arc Revo. It'll obviously be online. In Japan, it will have <laughs> Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, Guilty Gear Extra Rev 2, BBCF, Under Night and Birth, and in America, it will have BB Tag and Grand Blue. Yeah, I'm not sure why America got so jacked. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. There's certainly scenes here for 
Rev 2 and Undernight, and I mean, there were the the BB scenes dropped off a little bit, but there are definitely still players who would play for sure. So I'm not really clear on that either. I also don't exactly know what Arc Revo America means in this context. Like, can Canadians enter? Oh, what about, that's a good question. I mean, like, is it only the United States of America, or I don't know, is it America in the global sense, and like Argentinians can enter? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing because I mean. Look, obviously the netcode isn't great for Exert and 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 uh, Central Fiction, but that's the case with all of their games that they have right now. So I don't think that was a determining factor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. Uh, man. But that's the news for Arc System Works. Uh, Arika, the uh, FXL rollback netcode was planned and then now it's already out right. so check that out you talked about it a little bit that's pretty cool yeah but i mean that again is just another good sign because it just means that you know japan is starting to listen and to to take note and stuff and if it has equaled an increase in play and and sales perhaps you know that is yeah. something for them to look at because that might convince them that oh just because this concept was created outside of Japan maybe it's still a good idea to put in your game <laughs> one can hope again it does seem like the trend is in that direction yeah already SNK and and and, and, so, and sorry just going back to that the the, the whole roundtable that's kind of one yep. of the things that I liked about seeing how kind of jovial they were with each other and everything it just feels like they're breaking a lot of the uh, you know, traditional things that happen in Japan that, that kind of hold back things like rollback netcode. So I'm just happy to see that, you know, that environment between the developers and hopefully that that means more of a willing to compromise and, and, and you know, break the, the traditions of how Japanese companies are traditionally ran. So Talk about SNK, Samurai Showdown, Season 3 was announced. Good to hear. That was uh, a shock. I was watching. Yeah, this, yeah, I was watching this with uh, with Olaf and Corey at the oh, same time. Okay, all right. And all, right. all three of us were sitting there, and they were like, "Samurai Showdown season three. All three of us were like, "What?" Because <laughs> we were kind of expecting that, you know, like they were going to be like, "All right, we're working on KOF fifteen. Too many resources. You know, we can't do anything more with this." And you know, so we were actually we were actually all pretty surprised and, and pretty hype about it. Uh, but at the same time, it's like it's kind of a bittersweet thing because the the, the, the lobby, not even just the net code is bad, but the lobby system is bad and everything. And it's it's just not a pleasant online experience. And so they're going to take all this budget and make more characters, but not improve the net code. I mean, I hope that means that they can also improve the net code because most of us haven't really played it that much recently because the net code is so bad, you know, and it's just, it's a frustrating experience to play because you're just like, I know that wasn't supposed to happen in the game. And you just kind of like, ugh, and, and the lobby system's not getting fixed and everything. So there's just a lot of frustration and bitterness with a lot of the Sam show community right now. And, you know, so it's kind of like a, one of those bittersweet things. So, and I think we already did talk about Gong Sun Lee last week, didn't we? Uh, I don't... Did, was she a Did we not? Thing? Okay. I, don't I, I actually don't remember when that happened. But uh, in, in any case, Gong Sun Lee from 
Oh, I forgot to write it down. Honor Some of Some other game. Honor of Kings? Honor of... I, that sounds possible enough. <laughs> it's Honor Something. Honor of Kings, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But that is a... Apparently, uh, the highest money-making mobile game in history, I think. What? Because it's in China. <laughs> uh, it's okay. a Chinese okay. mobile game. Okay. And it's basically everybody in China plays it, which means more people play it in China than probably there are gamers in the rest of the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I checked online. I couldn't find her on the PlayStation Store, so I'm not sure if she's live yet or not, but, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure. But, yes, this okay. it's, that, that platform is very popular. It's a mobage that's created by Tencent. So, mm, wow. you know, it's, I mean, when they showed her trailer, the whole trailer is S&K cross Tencent, S&K, Tencent, right. Tencent, Tencent, you know, so they probably paid for the entire budget of making the character. Uh, right, yeah. But. Yeah, that makes sense. But she's another umbrella wielding characters. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll see. Yeah. S&K also makes a little game series, I don't know if you heard about it, called The King of Fighters. And last year at Evo, they announced KOF 15. And so many people were hoping that this year they would have more about that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they did not. They said nothing about KOF 15 yet, but there will be soon. Uh, you know, when exactly is, I don't believe it was mentioned, but sometime soon they'll talk about KOF 15. Yeah, I mean, Harada... Was it yeah. Harada or somebody else that was even trolling them? Like, isn't there another game series that you should be talking about that people want to know about? And they said that, you know, they wanted to, but they just weren't ready in time. I'm assuming COVID probably has prevented them from having something ready to go. Otherwise, you would imagine they'd probably have showed off something at EVO. Right. Yeah, that's what I, what I figure as well. And if I were them, I think I would wait until I was, like, pretty sure that what I had was good because for KOF 14, <laughs> when they showed the graphics before the game came out, there were entire articles written about how this, you know, SNK is releasing a PS2 game. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was so not pretty. If I, them, I would want to make sure that, like, what I'm going to show is not as janky looking as pre release 14, and then, you know, ultimately they, they even improved the graphics once the game was already out. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make sure that I had a good-looking game to avoid that stuff this time. So maybe that's what's going on too. I don't know. I mean, King of Fighters PS2 and MVCI Chun Face shows you already what uh, yeah. releasing a game with subpar graphics at the start can do to a game. Even after they fixed Chun Li's face, it just really didn't help because so many of the other characters' faces were still messed up. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not a pretty game, that's for sure. Uh, Koei Tecmo just said that DOA 6 has sold more than 3 million copies worldwide, which congrats to them. That's awesome. Also, their new character, Tamaki, will be released soon. And Capcom said that they have a two-week free trial of Street Fighter V, which starts on August 5th, mm -hmm. or tomorrow, or today, if you're in some parts of the, of the world. And also, Japanese SFL Open Qualifiers will start on August 8th. And then that's it, because, of course, they tomorrow have 
a summer update where they're going to be talking about, they've already said, character reveals, esports news, and that sort of stuff. Right. And, and to clarify, uh, someone in the chat mentioned that Tamaki is out already, just not in the arcade version, and she's coming to the arcade version of DOA. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, the, the uh, Capcom... Capcom obviously are going to have their own little press conference because I'm sure they didn't feel like sharing their highlight time with everybody else. But at the same time, I mean, maybe they have a lot to announce. I mean, if they're going to do their own like little press conference thing, like, are they really going to show all five characters of season V like back to back to back to back to back, you know? We'll, we'll see. It is, I guess we'll get to that now, but is there anything else? Before we do, that you want to say about this roundtable itself? Uh, I like the fact that Har- like Harada got his own pre-recorded video to do all of his announcements. Like he walks away, does something in his closet, and everything like that. And then you look, you go back to the main screen. I swear, Okubo sitting there like, how come I didn't get to do a pre-recorded video? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. But again, I liked it. I thought it was great. I hope they do more. I hope this encourages them to do more. And I hope it encourages them also as well to see the benefits of having a little bit more communication and, you know, talking about things with people a little bit more. And, you know, again, I know there are some people who are mad because they didn't talk about netcode and, you know... When I express that, people are like, oh, yeah, you're just going to give free passes. That's what makes them lazy and blah, 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 and, you know, all this stuff. And... Uh, yeah, I get I get why you feel that way, but I think a lot of people have trouble realizing how hard it is to breach the Japanese company mentality uh, and, you know, that these are all good signs that we are seeing right now, that they're taking kind of a more westernized approach towards things. And uh, I think that's very important. And as a result, that will lead to the conversations that we want you know, we I don't think we can get a conversation about net code until we have these kind of things happen because they won't like nobody in the higher ups will let them talk about net code unless they start seeing that this stuff is beneficial and it's better to talk about it and try to get things, you know, in more of a discussion and, and try to think in different mentality. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I sympathize with everybody. I, I wish that they had talked about that, but I also didn't expect it. I was surprised that other people seemed to expect it. Yeah. That, that was a bigger surprise to me than almost anything else. But that, that other people thought that that was going to be addressed. I don't know. I mean, I, I wish that it had been, but I'm also not, like, dismayed that it was not discussed. I think that there's hopefully future times for that. In any case, like, half of these developers already do have rollback, even if it's not the best version, mm-hmm. or they're actively working on putting it in. So again, I, I think that trend is pretty clearly there. Yeah. That, that, that the way that things are going in general, it might take some of those companies a while to have games that have good rollback netcode. And I'd be very surprised if, at this point, like SF5s was fixed in a really strong way. <laughs> or I'd be, I'd be flabbergasted if like Grand Blue got full-on rollback like that's you know there's probably just stuff that you're gonna have to wait until like the next games for but i am happy that that seems like it's at least the trend right yeah i mean 
it's just it's there's just no question that it's the right thing to do outside of the the the, the flat earthers and the and the and the anti-vaxxers and the no mooners out there so you know yeah whatever all right you want to talk about this summer update uh the capcom one you mean capcom. yeah yes so it'll be tomorrow uh, it's going to be hosted by Kenny Omega, who was also a host at the Capcom Cup, if you recall, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have said, like I said, that it will have character reveals and esports news. Uh, they've already sort of said that. We don't have any specifics, of course, but... You know, we know that there's going to be new characters coming out. We know that there's going to be a season five, and I. It sounds like at least one's going to be shown. You know, maybe a couple of them. Uh, so it's going to be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time uh, on their Twitch. Yeah. And yeah, what what do you think that they're going to be talking about? I don't know, but I'll find out what they talk about when I wake up and check Twitter, right? <laughs> you never watch that? No, I'm definitely going to try to get up and watch in time. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, because two years ago, everybody was so excited about the, 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 the G and Sagat reveal. And then last year, they revealed Lucia, Honda, and Poison all at EVO. I wouldn't be surprised if this year they were going to just save the whole tri- the, the whole quintet for all at Evo and reveal them all at once. And then, uh, I don't know, it would be crazy if they did, though. I, I, it'd just be, would they be willing to do that? Just show off all five characters all at once? And then, uh, and, and oh, oh, don't forget, it's season V, right? Not season five. It's season V. But... <laughs> Okay. Well, they they were supposed to reveal them at Evo, but Steam revealed them early. But the thing about it is, every single one of those times they revealed them, they were playable the next day or something like that. So I wonder if they're actually the characters are going to be playable like next week or something. You know, would be really really cool. That would be really surprising to me. Yeah. If if it was this fast, especially considering it's COVID times, I just they they put out Seth. What was that? February. And they had, or was that Gil? No, that was Seth. Seth. And they had put Seth. out Gil only like a two months before that in December. So they've been really? they were working on characters, and it's not like they were slacking off. And maybe they've done a couple since then, but they haven't done five. Yeah. Right in the last four months, five months now. Yeah, Six Jeez, how old am I? It's hard to tell. Uh, this, the tweet where they talked about this says, this is where they first talked about it, join us and some special guests on August 5th for the future of SF5CE, including Season 5 character reveals, plural, esports news, and more. So I'm going to take this as a multiple character reveal. I mean, there was... In that tweet, they use the plural of the noun, and I'm sure everybody thinks about things like that as much as I have to as an attorney. I'm sure that that's <laughs> how people live their lives. So I'm looking for at least two characters revealed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, who do you think the characters are going to be? Okay, yeah, I mean, that's that's the more interesting question, I guess. 
it doesn't super matter to me. You know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I just want characters that play differently than other characters in SF5 already play. They've done a good job over the game's life of diversifying the playstyles, and now there's a ton of different playstyles. Yeah. But I'd love to see some more. There still is not a full-on Rekka character. It's only Karen once she has V-Trigger active, and that's mm-hmm. not a super great Rekka or anything. So maybe like Fei Long makes sense, or somebody like that. Maybe you have a big weirdo, like I would love to see a 12, I would love to see a Fuerte, somebody who just plays very uniquely, just a big weirdo in there. <laughs> but it, it doesn't really matter to me other than that. I'm not terribly invested in any of the other characters. They already have good Q in this game. You know, he already exists here, so... Right. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the game's roster. As we've also said, I actually didn't want there to be more characters. I was, I'm totally happy <laughs> with it just being 40. So the fact that right. it will be 45 is, to me, unnecessary. It's a lot. Yeah. It is, it is a lot. I mean... Oh, I don't know. What about you? For me, like, there's so many different factors arguing this. Like, I want surprises. I want new characters, new design archetypes, like you said. The problem is, if these are indeed the last five characters, I also kind of feel like there might be a responsibility to try to put in five fan favorites, just, you know, to to appease the people out there who will be like, yay, this character's in the game, and then never play them ever. You know, uh, but so I'm torn on that. But at the same time, I know who I want in the game, but who do I expect in the game? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know why, but I feel like the the tarot card set that came out is a Mm -hmm. little too damning, damning (laughs) because it had five extra characters that weren't in Street Fighter five in that set, you know, and it was a. what Viper, Rolento, uh, Oro, Elena, and uh, who was the last one? Shoot, uh, Rose, Rose. That's was the last one. Yeah, and so Wait, like, so what was that list again? Rose, Rolento, Crimson Viper, Elena, and uh, Oro. Okay, that that sounds okay to me. There are some interesting characters in there. Yeah. Characters who have. Uh, relatively unique play styles or who could be made to be more unique maybe could be I'm, cool if people really I mean people are like put Makoto and I'm like you really want Makoto in the game you really there, want another grappler you want another Laura yeah. Mika in the game I mean yeah, come on there are four Makotos at least in <laughs> unnecessary yeah I mean look Sodom needs to come back I, I really think I don't know if it's his name or what? I don't know. But the fact that he's not back already, I think, is kind of an indication that he's just not making it in. Yeah, he died. He's dead. I, which makes me sad because I would have loved a complete redesign on him, or at least tried to make him a little bit more like Alpha One style, where his SPD had ridiculous range, but since it's hops, it has way more startup. You know, they 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 really haven't made a grappler like that and while mika was kind of like that with her punch spd and alpha three uh you know hooligan roll for cami was kind of that way they don't have that spd character it's all the spd characters are like pretty quick grapples 
And so, you know, but at the same time, do we really need another grappler in Sanam? I would have made it so that he just ran over you a bunch and had a bunch of, you know, hyper armor moves, you know, where he just like ran at you mm. with the shoulder and just like kind of ran over you. But then he'd be like Abigail. So, yeah, and he says Metro Crash while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That so that's just the thing is like, I just don't know what they could do with Sodom to make him unique. So, you know, having those other characters, I, I don't know. Look, I've never been a fan of Rose or her character design or whatever. I don't know what the hell they could do to her to make her interesting. What's her V-Skill going to be absorbing fireballs? I mean, like, you know, it's like, I don't know. Well, you know, they have done a more interesting job of picking the V-Skills than I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say that. Even going back to uh, when we first realized which characters were in it, even before seeing, like, Zangief or Dalsim, mm -hmm. we were like, oh, Zangief's V-Skill is going to be like Lariators. Yeah, we were all like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came up with something new. They came up with something new-ish for Dalsim, his V-Skill. I mean, they have come up with new stuff. So, I don't think that it's... I don't think that they're just being so reductive. They came up with a new move for Honda for his V-Skill, right? Poison's just a completely different character. They have actually made some significant changes to a bunch of the characters who have come back in SF5. Vega's a stance character who doesn't have charge motions like it's just, well he has one now i guess but you know in general he's very different so i wouldn't be surprised to see rose be quite different i think it'd be really cool to see viper in the context of this game a character who is that mobile in the air would be pretty unique because in general sf5 has really tamped that down yeah. i don't want to see like a good dive kick to be clear yes but i do think it'd be cool to have super jumping burn kick in the air, you know, something like that I think I think could be pretty cool and pretty unique. And Oro is definitely, like, one of those weirdo characters. He's just a funky... Who knows what they would even do? Would he even be the same at all? I mean, I just have no idea. And they could go any route with him. He, his V-trigger could be that he has a command grab, even. Or it could be that he has a big bouncing bubble, like Catastrophe, or it could be anything. It could be, honestly, anything. Maybe he gets the rocks. Who knows? Maybe he's a big chip damage character at that point. I don't know. I feel like they could go any any way with Oro, and I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, that they have been creative, but you're talking to the bitter Cami player over here. So. <laughs> Look, some character has to be a boring entry character. That just ha there has to be that character. Her V you skill isn't even new. Her V skill you know is this useless ass move that has always been useless its whole entire existence. <sighs> well, that's why you don't play her anymore. Yep. <laughs> that is absolutely why. <sighs> so I think those would all be pretty cool. And then what were the others that you mentioned? Rolento. You mentioned Rolento. Rolento is definitely, he's one of the weirdest characters. So yeah. I think that would be pretty cool too. He's been a very unique design ever since he came out. All the iterations of him have always been unique in the context of each game he's been in, so I think that could be pretty cool, too. And then Elena, yeah, I mean, Elena in SF4 ended up being this very obnoxious character. In SF3, she's a totally different story. So she doesn't have to be this weird, lame... Jab, 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 yeah, jab. Yeah, jabby character with hurt boxes and hit boxes that just probably don't work how they should. Like, she, she doesn't need to be like that. She could be a really fun, active character like she was in Third Strike. So I think that could be cool too. Oh, sure. It would just be so interesting because I feel like 
you know, Elena and Rolenta would be the kind of characters that would be so irritating to fight good people with. And, you know, it's interesting because Rashid got that yeah, V-skill. Totally. Rashid got that V-skill too, which I feel like kind of covers a little bit of, like, kind of Rolento weirdness, you know? Mm. But, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Like I said, my choices for characters, like, I would have wanted Eagle in the game because I just think it would be cool to put him back into a game. I wanted... Uh, yeah, Eagle would be cool, yeah. I wanted uh, Lee from Street Fighter 1 as well because, you know, his storyline is that he goes into drunken boxing and I think it'd be sick to have a drunken boxing. I mean, everybody does the same thing. You know, V-Skill would probably be drink and the more drunk you get, like, the more powerful you get. But I think yeah. it'd be funny if it was like, like, he's supposed to be the person who taught Yun and Yang how to fight, right? What if mm -hmm. he was like a really kind of substandard character with an amazing dive kick, but the more drunk he gets... He gets super buff, but every time he dive kicks, he like falls on the ground because he's so drunk. And so it's like if you block his dive kick, you get free mix up. <laughs> you know, like it would be a really because you know, like there's always those characters that only buff themselves up. What if he was a character that buffed and nerfed himself as he went? Like I think that would actually be really, really kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's an example of that. Yeah. Can you think of a character who does that in any game? Not, not that I can think of, no. Yeah, me neither. I can only think of characters that buff themselves. Yeah. Anyway. And okay. then I would have liked to have the Junie Junie, the Junie Julie tag team character as well. That's kind of what I wanted in there. Where it was just like, they actually have two sets of entirely different special moves, like different jump arcs, different walk speeds. And the only special moves you can do are the other character special moves. So every time you were like Junie and you did fierce into like Ju Julie's lunging kick, she would do fierce and then run away and then Julie would run and do her special move and then you would be forced to switch the entire time and you would have V-Trigger, both of them would jump in and then you would be able to like try to do like some MVC stuff or something. I think that would be kind of sick. I, I, I wanted to put in weird stuff as well, you know, basically is kind of the yeah. idea that I had. Yeah, I guess some people are naming characters that do kind of fit with this, like Kilgore, if he heats up his hands too much, his shots don't go full screen anymore. Yeah, but he does right. get he does get some benefits out of that too, so I guess it's both. Uh, Argonos gets really slow when he has rocks, but he also true, can tank true, true, more. True. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, there's some examples here, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't remember what Quajai does, to be honest. Oh yeah, Deadpool hurts himself on the third one, third, third teleport. teleport. That's true. Yeah. Alright, there's some examples. And in fact, this is also a great point, that G himself in some ways is better in level 2 than in level 3. Yeah. So. Actually, it's funny, before Rev... You guys are right, you're right. Before Rev, Johnny was always way better off at level 2 Misfinder than level 3 Misfinder. And mm -hmm. then Rev, they just went... <laughs> they went the complete opposite direction and made level 3 Misfinder kind of stupid. So <laughs> if you've ever seen a counter hit... Level three misfinder, like there was a literally a combo where someone did counter, did misfinder. The other person attacked. They traded. The guy gets launched into the wall and goes bong and gets stuck. And Johnny gets knocked full screen away. Gets up, dashes a few times and keeps the combo going. <laughs> what a guy! <laughs> oh man, it's ridiculous. So again, the Capcom. Street Fighter V Summer Update, that will be tomorrow, August 5th, or 
already August 5th in some parts of the world, but for us, it's tomorrow at 10 in the morning Pacific time. Do you feel like they're August going to 5th. reveal anything extra? Surprise. I mean, I'm not expecting any game engine changes or anything like that. I think I would expect more, like, here's what's going on with Street Fighter League. You know, here's a little bit more about what we expect to do for Capcom Cup. Um, you know, not a lot. Mm. I don't really have big expectations. Maybe there's a new stage. I don't know. Something like that. Because, uh, I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit, but, I mean, I don't know if you saw the video that Doomsnake posted up of his match versus Kusanagi. No. You know, oh, God. Like, the, okay. the net code is just... Like, okay. The fact well, that everything is online is just... Oof. Yeah, I don't uh, know, Planet Chaser. Maybe I will do a live restream. I'm not sure, so... Well, I'll definitely be doing that, because I stream at 10 and. 10 a.m. anyway, that's when I typically begin streaming, so. <laughs> for me, so I'll be here tomorrow on Ultra 10 TV. You get to see me with all my hair like this, and I'll be like, Hey, everybody. Welcome to the gym. That's going to be my restream, basically, so. Alrighty. Alright, cool. Well, you want to take a break? Uh, sure, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about some results. Be right back. Oh, wait, hold on. My bad. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about for Summer Update, and I had accidentally put it in a different quadrant. So, as a slight aside, Capcom has renewed trademarks for Capcom Cup, Street Fighter League, a few other things. Also, Darkstalkers. Do you think, given no, the timing... No, no, Okay. <laughs> okay. At least that's my hope. <laughs> given the timing of them doing it right before this, the Summer Update... No, you're right. You're absolutely correct. All right. Okay, Let's take look, break. Gormalis is probably the closest one. There will you're be some right. Darkstalkers phone game or a patch of slot. And that's like, uh -huh, that's uh -huh. what we get, right? So, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Okay, all right. Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some tournaments and then get to 5 5 matchup. All right. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tuesday show. We're going to be continuing on with some tournament results that happened over the past week. What do we got? All right. Let's start with the Capcom Pro Tour online, this time for Central America, the first one for Central America of the year. This includes Central America, the Caribbean, Mexico. Pretty wide-ranging region. Winner of it was Bandits Cava with Guile, who played super well. Yeah. Super, super well. Uh, AAA Kusanagi got second with Sakura, which was cool. SB Doomsnake third with Vega and a little bit of G. Bandits Men RD got fourth with Birdie, Sakura, Kami. And then you got Mono. RR Mono with Fang and Seth at fifth. And Law, MX Gus with Colleen. Seventh were Raptor Jazdero with Ibuki and GOT. DRI with Ibuki, Vega, and Ryu. Yeah, um... I guess Guile's the best character in the game right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe, because Kaba won this, and the last winner of a CPT online was, of course, Daigo Umehara, also with Guile. So Guile has now won two in a row. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people do say that, you know, Guile is an excellent online character, Flash Kick being something much easier to react with and such, but still, Daigo was with Punishing with Sweep, which is crazy you know i mean yeah, that that super impressive. that's not a guile thing <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> um, well, he does have a fast, far sweep, but yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, seven frame sweep, I believe, which is one of the fastest sweeps in the game, uh, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, Doom Snake obviously doing really, really well with Vega. A lot of people making the comments that we need to stop talking about Vega, like he's a low tier character now because indeed clearly a very strong character but you know doomsnake did show a clip and even justin was saying this justin said that when he was watching doomsnake and kusanagi's match he was like nah doomsnake doesn't play like this this is not the way doomsnake plays and then when doomsnake put up a video of it kusanagi sakura was literally teleporting back and forth like because he was just doing the standard footsies but it was like and you just you can't play in that kind of situation you can't concentrate in that way and so that's an unfortunate thing and uh i mean mean, it sucks he wasn't mad about it because obviously he said both kaba and uh kusanagi are his friends and everything like that but yeah yeah, yeah. it's just frustrating obviously right yeah i bet and this is the best situation that vega players have ever had their character is actually pretty good right now yeah so bummer for him there's another chance for him though Kusanagi, I mean, whatever. Connections aside, cool to see his soccer doing as well as he did. Cool and interesting to see Mena RD. I knew that he was playing Kami. I didn't know that he was playing Sakura. That was that caught me off guard, but that was pretty cool. Didn't he play like four characters or something? Yeah, I think I think this list is missing somebody. Yeah. Birdie, Sakura, Kami. I want to say there was somebody else as well, but I don't recall right now. Yeah. Maybe it was before top eight. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, pretty good mix of characters overall. Yeah, I mean, I, it was fun. Yeah, a lot, lot of good matches. I was rooting for Mono. Of course, um, he got fifth, but uh, cool to see him up there regardless. Yeah, so a couple of things, you know. One, obviously, you know, not saying Kusanagi should not have beat Doom Snake. Obviously, Kusanagi is amazing as a player. Yeah, he's a very good player. He's a super good player. And, you know, someone in the chat says, well, wouldn't both players have the lag then? Is, isn't netcode crafted so that both players experience that? Ha! Uh-huh. Ha! Eh, well, you know, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. That in practice for a particular game, <laughs> one game that will not be named, but I'm sure you can surmise, definitely has a lot of cases of one-sided rollback. <laughs> it sure does. <sighs> yeah. So that absolutely could have just been on one side. Who knows? It Ugh. sucks. It sucks. One of these decades will have good internet. Or good uh, netcode, I should say. Yeah. Anyway, really, really fun to watch. I want to specifically say I thought Jeremy did super well on commentary. Oh yeah. And oh okay. Okay. Cool. I thought cool. he killed it. I thought he knocked it out of the park, man. I Shout didn't get to, to see. A, I didn't get to see a lot of it, so I didn't hear a lot of the commentary, unfortunately. So, in I fact, a lot of the times great. I had the volume really low because I was editing video at the same time, so I ah. had to hear the video. So. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. GGs to everybody. Oh, by the way, obviously I should say, just to make it clear, this means that Kaba qualifies for Capcom Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's exciting, again, to have DR represent again. You know, it feels like it's wrong if DR isn't there at all. Who, who yeah, won the, totally. Who won the South America tournament? I forgot. Uh, has that happened yet? I thought it was. Didn't a Brazilian win that one? Or... Shoot, I can't remember... I. Anyways, okay. This is senile old man brain right here. Sorry. Uh, I think I think I even commentated that. Did I or not? Shoot, I can't even remember now. 
Piccolo, you did, you thank did you. Asia. I was waiting for a high fight. <laughs> Piccolo, yes, yes. So that okay, makes sure we have someone from Brazil and someone from uh, and someone from. Oh wait, Piccolo's not from Brazil though. He's from. Uh, no, he's Peruvian. Yeah, he's Peruvian. Never mind. Never mind. So. Yeah, hopefully we can get an, a Brazilian in there because I, I, I'm always, I, I'm, I would be sad to see a CPT with no Brazilians representing. Let's put it that way. Well, to be honest, I thought last year when Picaro or whatever year it was that Picaro made it in, however it was, like there was some confluence of circumstances where he made it in. Uh, he seemed super good to me, so I was really happy to see him yeah. still in here. Of course, in the South America one tournament which happened on july 4th through 5th that i'm sure i watched at the time and now feels like never happened <laughs> uh, that's how old man brain goes yeah exactly uh... let's talk about other tournaments so i just wanted to shout out a couple of uh, of tournaments queen of queens of quarantine happened which was a cool event it was a women's only tournament and it was a lot of fun to watch uh, i watched a bunch of it Good job to everybody involved. Yeah. The yeah the uh, the winner. By the way, I should say broadcast on Reddit fighting. Oops. So uh, check it out if you're curious. I pressed the wrong button on my computer. Oh. Okay. And winner <laughs> of it was uh, Mira. Yes. And uh, uh, shout out to her. And second place was Miria. <laughs> Phantom Miria. Right. Yeah. It was definitely cool to see. Third place. Sherry got third place. Yeah. Third place, Sherry Jennings. Super good players. Apparently yeah, dropped the were... winning combo, and I know that's going to eat at her for at least the next three weeks or so. No, Sherry. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, good job. And, and just, like, cool, cool idea for a tournament there. Yeah, it was commentated by... Um, Flexus? Mar Marine and... Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Yep, and Marine. And I thought that they did a really good job on commentary as well. Yeah. So good job to everybody involved. I also wanted to shout out the X Factory versus Tampa Never Sleeps Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 tournament. This was the first large nationwide cloud parsec tournament, which yeah. was pretty sick. Uh, shout outs to Jason, who is in the chat. Tong as well, because he's the one who's been doing this and, and fronting Tong, this definitely. all. Because uh, to run a lot of his tournaments, I mean, he provides his own money for prize money. There's no entry fee. He just pays out people, so that way he gets around a lot of the uh, 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 you know restrictions about whether or not you can actually pay people prize money. He spends a lot of his own money running these things. It's not cheap hosting that many servers and keeping images right. alive and doing all these things like that, as I'm learning uh, little by little myself. Uh, but Kevin Ha also doing most of the streaming, I think. So, uh, But yeah, so the format, uh, as was explained to me, was there was a West Coast bracket, there was an East Coast bracket, and the top four from each of the brackets went up against each other and played in a final eight-man tournament, essentially. Yeah, right. So winner of it was Ray Ray. Dude, Ray Ray. Is so he's such a talented player. I feel like the only reason Ray Ray is not a top player in whatever he does is that he has to really enjoy a game and he doesn't really enjoy every game. Right, yeah. But I feel like the talent is there for sure. So he won it. Uh, Jabril got second. Jason Sh Kiddo got third. 
Shout out to Jabril, by the way. Uh, one of the main storylines that I was told was that, you know, he made a killer run through loser's bracket and reset mm. the bracket. I think it was four to zero or something like that. And then eventually lost. To yeah, Ray it was. Ray. Yeah, eventually lost to Ray Ray in the end. So that's really cool. Uh, super exciting to hear about all the cool stuff that's going on with Parsec and people making it work as well as it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm setting it up Very myself. Exciting time for a lot of people. I'm setting it up myself. I might start bringing back some of those mm. beginner lobby things and maybe try to run mm. some Soul Calibur West Coast exhibitions because I know Saban Deuce has set up a bunch of Soul Calibur stuff, but he's on the East Coast. And so perhaps I can do a bunch of stuff on the West Coast for Soul Calibur and uh, try to help that scene run. I also, so I created one image with uh, multiple games. Most people are just creating one image with one game, but I've got uh, Guilty Gear Rev 2 on there. I've got Soul Calibur on there and I've got Undernight in Birth CLR, which I am super excited about and eager to be able to try to just run some you know, matches with that. Now, obviously you can't use whatever standard lobby system is built into the game because you're really just playing versus mode on a right. remote machine. Uh, but there's a lot of different things. So like I talked to Pat the Flip about that because he does the beginner Guilty Gear tournaments and they mm -hmm. use the lobby pretty extensively. The interesting thing about it, there's no reason why you can't use another copy of Guilt, like use Guilty Gear on your machine for a lobby and then connect to the Parsec machine to play your matches. <laughs> they won't be able to spectate directly from the lobby, but you'll still have the lobby. So uh, it'd be kind of interesting. Okay. I mean, sure you can. We could potentially do on Parsec. It would be weird because, I mean, Street Fighter V supposedly has rollback netcode, but I could try setting yeah. it up on Parsec. I can definitely do it. Uh, and uh, maybe just start doing nothing but streaming little mini tournaments and ex exhibitions at this point. So, and uh, go nuts with this Parsec stuff because uh, from what I've done with it, I'm running into little flaws. Like I lose audio on games, but apparently that's just a problem with some of the Arxis games when you tab in and out of stuff, which makes sense with the way Parsec interacts with the desktop and such. Uh, Tom mm -hmm. giving me some advice on how to fix that, but. You know, without audio, I go into the training modes and stuff like that, and I can do all my Guilty Gear combos. I can do all my Undernight combos and everything, and it just, it feels great. It feels great. Now, I'm only going from SoCal to NorCal. You know, obviously, yeah. if we want to do an East Coast versus West Coast, we'd have to pick Ohio or something like that, and then it'll be equally. So there will be lag, for sure. But if we stick to just like, for example, West Coast, since it's in Northern California, you know, Seattle, Los Angeles will have equal kind of connection speeds and such. And there's a lot of potential for this. And it's like somebody said on Twitter, it's really silly how far we have to go to try to get good net code in the FGC. But... This is what we do. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I wasn't going to critique his geography, but it's true that Ohio is not actually in the middle. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's Midwest, isn't it? <laughs> Midwest is East Coast, dude. Midwest is East Coast. Uh... All right, that's all I got for tournaments. <laughs> All right, now I'm bringing up a map here because David just looked at me really funny there and I didn't like that at all. Uh, what did I just do? Holy crap. There we go. 
It's Eastern time zone. Yeah, exactly, right? I know it's not on the coast. I'm just saying it's more East Coast than middle of America is what I'm saying. Ugh. I hate all you people. Yeah, it's more to the East than it is Central. Right. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, we did uh, MQS. We talked a little bit about the new King of Fighters games already. Uh, I think you came just a little bit later. All right. Well, yeah, the center is like Kansas, Nebraska. It's, mm -hmm. There are actually debates about it. I remember reading about this whole situation. Anyway, it's one of those two. It might be the border of Kansas and Nebraska. It's complicated. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about 5-5 uh, five, five matchup. What do you think about that? Uh, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. So, let's start off with a couple of our own questions. Uh, rewind, a top NRS player, put up a tweet that I was a little surprised by, but I don't know. Let's see if you are. He said, I'm taking a break from online tourneys and just focusing on content. Oh, sorry, I had to say... Taking a break from online tourneys and just focusing on content has been amazing. Just been playing casual, and I ain't done that in years. He is taking a break from playing at home. And I guess I hadn't thought about that, but there is a grind to all these online tournaments. Because there's actually a lot. Mm -hmm. There are multiple online tournaments every week in some of the games, including in MK11. And people have still been grinding for that, for sure. Yes. So what, what, what do you think about this idea of focusing instead of your efforts on just playing to win, grinding on stuff, focusing instead on things like content or playing casually? Well, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week with the, uh, with, uh, the Hungry Box situation, you know, just having that kind of pressure and playing a lot of times is stressful. It's a lot of work, and, and it doesn't feel like you can really ever play the game for fun when you're at that level. You know, you're always like, oh, I'm, I'm, if I'm not playing my main, I'm wasting my time, you know, kind of things like that. And it's a tough situation. And, you know, a lot of these people are young, and there's a lot of stuff for these guys to do, to, to experience, to have fun and find other hobbies and things like that, you know. So I, I totally get it. I totally don't blame Rewind at all for, for feeling this way. I mean, he's pretty young, right, if I'm not mistaken. Rewind is a pretty young guy. And uh, yeah. the only thing I will say is that content is a very difficult path to go down. Uh, but I don't think it'll, it'll allow him to stay in the game and uh, allow him to keep with his mind focused, you know, at least continuing to research the game and such. Yeah, I feel like he can't stop playing Mortal Kombat. He's just like a big fan of Mortal Kombat, but right. I'm I'm definitely down with the idea of not always playing seriously. I think that's true even when there's a competitive tour season on. Instead, I think it's better to focus for when you need to. So one one example I think is really good is maybe like Tekken Master who last year qualified for Final Combat really early. And then he just didn't go to a lot of tournaments after that. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to recharge, you know, he was focusing on life. He was not, I mean, he was playing Mortal Kombat, but he wasn't grinding in the same way that you do if you're trying to win 
a major if you're right. at that level. And I, I think that that kind of thing makes sense. I also think that in this time, it's really easy to find yourself in a gnarly mental state. Yes. And if you can figure out what a potential source of feeling gnarly is and isolate it and address that, that's fantastic. So if for him, playing a lot, again, even if it's not like in offline tournaments, it's just online tournaments, if that led to him feeling negative mentally or feeling like he was too, uh, you know, if he, he needed a break, right? If he can recognize that and do it, I think that that's super great, especially in this kind of time. So I think that's awesome. It's true, too, that, that content creation is not that easy, but uh, he's a smart kid and a very likable guy, and I'm sure that that's something he can do well. I mean, he's been streaming. You know, I think it's cool. Yeah, again, like you said, in this time especially, mental health is very, very important. And a lot of us are running into a lot of very blah moods right now i mean honestly going out and getting sunlight seeing other people these are all mm -hmm. natural stimulants of you know kind of like endorphins and stuff and you know we're not getting a lot of that right now so i i totally get it i totally get it and uh it's true also what dream Eater says that his father did pass away earlier this year that yeah. was just a little bit before final combat that's so right, that's point, right, yeah. Maybe six months ago. And he still played uh, in that tournament, right? He sure did, yeah. <sighs> so, you know, again, if he can find ways to feel better about things, I think that's super great. Yeah, there's basically, in my opinion, nothing very controversial about that, this tweet at all. I, I think it's just completely normal. And Nathan is trying to sleep on my, on my audio mixer, so he's going to move dials and stuff around everywhere, but... Um, Shout out to Nathan. Yeah, he's he's gotten to the point now where he knows I try to move his head off my keyboard and everything like that. So I think he wants that much more to put his head on the keyboard in defiance, sure. you know, because that's what cats kind of do. But yeah, uh huh. They figure out what they're not supposed to do. Ajax ate another one of my headphones the other day. Are you serious? He ate, he ate the wire. Yeah. He's still. I was actually playing. He hasn't done that in so long. He's now done it only four or five times in four years, so it's really rare. But huh. and he hadn't done it in probably two years. I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's caused other mischief, but well, didn't he chew? Through didn't he chew through one of your uh, split box wires or something like that while you were playing? Uh, oh yeah, he did. That's right. That, <laughs> that was, was on that stream that it happened. If I'm yeah, not... that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But it's still, it's only been a handful of times, so I just wasn't expecting it. Right. I was playing a, a game online, and all of a sudden, I couldn't hear the audio anymore. Jeez. <laughs> oh, he wants your attention, man. He wants your attention. Well, he got it. Uh... All right. Let's move on to the next 5-5. Five, five. So, people have been taking reaction yeah. tests online to, this. to gauge their reactions. Have you done that? I just messed with it just just for shits and giggles to see how I would do because I know my, I've always said my reaction is pretty god awful so I just kind of okay. wanted to see if I could confirm that and uh, I did it on the phone which everybody said is really really terrible it makes it even slower and then I tried it on the computer and it was still terrible so you know <laughs> yeah my reaction uh, so on what the computer, it was like 220-something or something like that on the phone. 
And on the computer, it was like 160, 170 something or other. Okay, and what's like a good score? I well, I, I saw like Markman and Sherry both had 127 and 124, and apparently that's like some of the higher end ones. Now, here's the thing. Uh, someone told me that that site that everybody's using is also a feel-good site and that they purposely shave off like 20% of the time to make you feel good about yourself. So you actually have to multiply your score by like 1.25 or something to get the actual That's thing. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just doing it just as a curiosity, not through any sort of conclusive information. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and, what do you think about these reaction tests? Does this have any bearing on playing a fighting game? The tests? No, because the tests. Well, the, not just the tests, but the imp the implication is that if you have a fast reaction test, that you will have fast reactions in a fighting game, uh -huh. right? That's a. Is that right? Do you think there's any merit to that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's complete merit to that. Now. The thing about it is those reaction tests, you're only expecting one thing. So let's say the reaction test, instead of going from a red to green screen, you had to react by hitting the left mouse if it turned green and then hitting space and then the right mouse if it turns yellow. You know, that's more accurate to fighting games. However, if you're expecting one thing, if you're punk and you're trying to bait out a whiffed crouching medium kick, so that you can whiff punish it with Karen's crouching medium kick into Tenko. If that's what you're expecting and that comes out, then yeah, absolutely. It has, it has absolute bearing uh, to your reactions. Expecting one thing and how to react to it. Uh, if you had an accurate test, it would absolutely be reflective of, you know, uh, the skills that you have. Because you can see it in the FGC. Clearly there's some people who are just more who have a stronger natural reaction speed than other players do. And uh, again, I know we don't agree on this. I don't think reaction speed is something that you can easily train yourself on. I think it's one of the hardest things to get good at if you're naturally bad at reaction. <laughs> uh, and yeah, see, Hi-Fi says Daigo got better reaction time by doing it over and over again for a year. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> It's doable. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that it has a lot of bearing. Because some people put up test scores that were like, hey, I got a test score. And in my mind, I'm like, we've played fighting games before, and you are not reacting to the things that I was doing. Some of you are not talking about it. Dude, that's uh, because of the way I, you played, David. <laughs> no one can react maybe? to what you do because you never do what anybody expects you to do. That's the goal, right? Right. And... I also saw some people who said that they didn't have good test scores, and my experience against them is that they can react. So I'm not sure it's got a great relationship to reactions online uh, in a fighting game. I definitely think that some people are, are more suited to reacting mm -hmm. than others. Like anything else, there's people who are going to be better or worse at it, of course. But I also think that it's not very useful to know what your raw reaction scores are when in a fighting game like you were saying you're supposed to be keeping your your mind on a bunch of different things what matters instead is how many things can you hold in your head right that's the right the issue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Like and I said, there has to be multiple things to react to and a different yeah. reaction to every one. Not just left click or right click, but left click. That's why I said space and then right click or doing ASD on the on the. <laughs> that's what makes fighting games the hardest part. Is that you yeah. have to react to like four different things, which is why when I see Daigo do that with punishing practice on Ibuki, like my mind just explodes because it's like that's ridiculous. I can't even react to two things, and he's reacting to four different things. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, I never felt that my reactions were great, but I would say that most people I know who play fighting games would tell you that their reaction speeds are not naturally super great. There are some people who are who would. Definitely say they have fantastic reaction speeds, but I think most of the people I know who, even players who are strong, would say that instead they have to play, they're playing a different way, or they have to really work at it to get good reactions in game that didn't come naturally. I definitely think it's something that is learnable, and I'm, I don't really think that the ability to react to one thing is terribly important for how you how well you can react in a situation where what really matters is how many things are you aware of and how how closely are you paying attention to all these different things at once right yeah situational awareness i definitely think is is more important sure anti-airs are problematic i mean it, everything is is tough for, for people and i've noticed it in myself i definitely noticed that i have begun with punishing more and I guess for me, there's probably a couple reasons. One is that my brain-to-hand connection is a little bit more solid than it used to be. But the other one is that now I have such an expectation in the games that I play the most of what's probably coming mm-hmm. that when I see it, it feels like it was going to be there anyway. And <laughs> in fact, in both, in all the games I've, I've been playing most, SF, MK, and KI, over the last couple of months, I have tried to whiff punish things before their active frames end, and I've been hit. And so I have to actually dial it back a little bit now. Cody Stan Roundhouse is the biggest problem for me on this. I try to whiff punish Cody Stan Roundhouse as it's happening, and I get crush counter because I'm too early on my whiff punish. Oh, man, uh, so, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I would not tell you that I think I'm naturally gifted in reactions or anything i feel like i'm probably just average and for a while i think i was really bad at it because i had like a more physical issue than than many people so i think it's learnable for sure i mean just for me like i'll know i'll just try to whiff punish a single move and so that's the only move that that can possibly come and i i still can't whiff punish it half the time with like fast buttons and I mean, everybody knows my anti-air problems, dude. And and like I said, my biggest problem, actually, the reason why I can't, I have bad reactions. I think the only way that I can really fix my reactions is that I also have to learn how to empty my brain. So whenever I do, for example, like the Daigo test where he has a bookie neutral jump, she does one of four things. If I do that same test with only two things, before she lands, I always predict which one she's going to do. My brain is already anticipating one of the options, and so when the other one happens, I can't switch my brain to do the other thing properly because I'm already so... So, like, I do, like, if it's randomized 50-50, if they do one three times in a row, I'm like, well, the fourth time, it's got to be the other one just by probability. And so my brain automatically goes that way. I don't have the ability to empty my brain properly. That's where my reactions have the biggest problem because my reactions actually aren't bad because... 
when Ibuki yep. does, for example, overhead, or when Akuma does the towards heavy punch, I react by walking into that like 100% of the time instantaneously. I try to walk under jumps all the time. So I'm reacting to the jump. It's just right. I'm not reacting the right way, basically. Yeah, it's about mental stack. Yeah. And, and just somehow being able to empty your brain, to zen your brain out, to make it so that you're not always predicting what's going to be happening. You know, like I said, every time I play that test, as soon as the character jumps up and down, I'm predicting it. There's been times where I've predicted correctly five times in a row and people are like, see, look, your reactions are fine. I'm like, dude, I am literally guessing and predicting every single time. So, yeah, there's a lot to it that's about stress. Meditation probably would help and all these kind of things like that. But my brain is one of those brains that's always going a mile a minute. Uh, I think it has a little bit to do with the ADHD. You know, I've talked about it uh, in the past couple of episodes uh, just because it's something that's been on my mind. And I realize it's like I can't stop, you know, doing things. I have to be doing everything at all times. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the hardest parts for me. That's kind of think why it is hard for me to react to stuff in fighting games a lot of the time because of that. I, I would not describe my mental state when I'm ready to react to something as being empty. I would describe it as super active. Right, but you're active in a way that it's, it's kind of different. It's not a cloud. You know what I mean? It's not like this big fog. That's what it's my not a fog. what's that? Yeah, it's not yeah. a fog for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I am a lot of the times. My okay. brain is in a yeah, fog. Because well, like that, that, that makes sense. I I've been in fogs many times, yeah. and I know that that's a very different feeling. Because like when I'm trying to practice that reaction test, I see Ibuki jump up or whoever neutral jumping right before she lands. I'm I have the only way I can not try to predict is to force myself into thinking about not thinking about it and then I'm not thinking about anything so I can't react to it you know what I mean it's like there's just this blur even if I try to like empty my mind as much as possible there's still a weird prediction in there even if I don't think I'm predicting I'm still predicting it's very weird it's very annoying in, in my view having a clear mind is not about not having random thoughts I'm never not having random thoughts. Instead, it's about allowing those to happen and not noticing them. <laughs> Does that make sense? They're happening constantly, but whether I'm paying attention to them or not is the is whether yeah. I have a clear mind or not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. You want to move on to people's questions? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those weird I'm things. I'm a daywalker? What? Who thinks I'm a nut? Nobody thinks I'm a nut. You know who the, the... There are like probably three people in the world who think I'm a nut. And it's people who I think don't deal very well with people who are playing like nuts. And two of those people are James Chen and Tubaware. <laughs> so your experience may not be other people's experiences. I've definitely heard other people say that about you before, but I can't remember who now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Was it Tubaware? I don't think it was him. I know, I know he said it before, but I'm pretty sure someone else said it. I, I almost feel like Keats even said it one time, didn't he? I just try to play to 
how I think the opponent's going to lose. That's yeah. all. And some people can't deal with nuts, so that's fine. Right. But if the other people can deal with nuts and they lose to just like me standing there and waiting for them to come at me, that's fine. Mike DeBonis, has he ever said you're a nut? He thinks I'm a nut? No way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what Mike would say. <laughs> I don't think that's what Mike would say. Oh what? man! Wow. All right. I'm. That surprises me for sure because <laughs> I don't play like that against him. I mean, every time I watch you play, I feel. I mean, when I watch you play freaking MK online, I it looks like you're playing like a nut half the time. So you've killed so many people by doing nine command grabs in a row with Baraka. You know. I mean. Oh, when the game was new, that's true. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the. Viewer questions for a 5-5 matchup. Sure. What do we got? Also, wake up command grab for Baraka is legit. So, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. It is. People are waiting to follow us block or they're waiting for my wake up or whatever. For sure. Alright. Mm -hmm. Some fighting game developers don't like players data mining and modding their games. Should the FGC respect their wishes or continue on? Two. Would a replacement to Evo need to stay in the US or Vegas to remain as significant? Or could it move all around the world like the Olympics? Three. Old games have been growing due to new tech like fancy streaming tech and FC2, but do you think there are enough resources to support that growth, or is there a danger that these games might drop off if it's hard to find info on them? 4. How often do you use fighting games as examples to help explain other video games to people who also play fighting games? 5. What are your favorite documentaries based on fighting game franchises? 6. Throughout the years and versions of different games, which games had the best and worst communities? That's pretty spicy. <laughs> Seven. If the next Street Fighter game is more technical, will older players who don't have the time to study up be able to keep up? Those are the questions. Winner with one-third of the vote. Number two. Would a replacement to Evo need to stay in the U.S. or Vegas to remain as significant? Or could it move around the world like the Olympics? Oh, that didn't work. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. My view is that it does not need to stay in the U.S. I think that it would be... It's helpful to be in the U.S. because we have a, lot, a big player base. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's a big player base. We're a wealthy country relatively more chances to travel, right? We have internal travel, even though we have a huge country, is cheaper for us than it is for many other people in their countries. Mm -hmm. There's definitely advantages that we have to this. Uh, historically, we had a passport that could allow us to go many places, and also, many people were allowed to come into the U.S. So I think that historically, there have been good reasons for the U.S. to be a, a big hub of this stuff. I am not sure that that's how the future will be. I'm not sure that we will be that very wealthy country that gets to travel easily. And I'm not sure that we will be that country that has a passport that most countries can get into or that we can enter most countries uh, on ours. We actually can't right now. Most countries in the world, we can't go. I mean, so that might change 
after COVID's over, but I'm not sure that it'll change a lot. I don't know. I'm not like a pessimist about the future or anything, but I'm also just not sure. So I, I don't know that it needs to be in the U.S. If instead it were to be roving around, I think that could be cool. We've sort of talked about this a little bit when we were talking earlier in this year about the idea of Evo Japan changing to be Evo Korea or Evo Japan going to different venues, different years, or having an Evo world that goes, you know, all over the place. It's in Paris one year, and it's in Bangkok mm -hmm. another, and whatever, it's in Adelaide, who knows. And I think that could be cool, but it does mean that in each case, you have to create, like, a new local group of people who are working the event. And one nice thing about having a tournament in the same spot over and over again is that you get to depend on the same people over and over again, and even if they don't do a fantastic job the first year, they're going to have learned by, like, year two or three. Yep. And, for example, Evo Japan this year was great, when in the past it's been pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. So I think that having it change every year has these downsides. But I don't think that it needs to be in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, Vegas is a, such a big advantage area. I know a lot of people don't like it because they feel like the hotels are expensive and everything like that. But the fact that Vegas is 24 hours, it does allow you to bring family that aren't interested in the fighting games and such. When we had uh, Evo at Cal Poly Pomona... I mean, let me tell you, after the tournament was done, everybody was mad. They were just like, there's nothing to do. Like, everything was closed. Like, everything yeah. was closed, and everybody was mad because they were just literally... One of the main reasons why it moved to Vegas was because of the fact that it was 24 hours. You can get food even if the tournament ends at 1 a.m. You know, you can, hey, you could just go gamble if you felt like it. You know, there's, right. there's a lot of extra benefits to Vegas as well. Does it have to be in Vegas? Of course not. I mean, it could be in Atlantic City. Although, since we were there, I would probably say, let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> Macau, maybe? <laughs> oh, that would be crazy cool. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be in the U.S., but as you mentioned, you know, there's obviously a lot of very big advantages to it being in Vegas. You know, my hope still is that, obviously, that Evo can be resurrected in some way and, and gotten to a point where, you know, we can move past the, 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 uh, the, 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 the follies of one particular individual, let's just put it that way. So uh, hopefully it could get to that point. Because uh, I still think it's an important tournament and everything, but and 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 again, you know, Rick doesn't want Combo Breaker to be that event, and so yeah. you know, if we are going to talk about an Evo successor, we'd probably have to wait another like five years, six, seven years for that to happen at this point, because really, the closest one that's there might be CEO. Right. Yeah, that's so, true. And uh, that one's in Daytona, and that's also not the greatest of places right now. So yeah, <coughs> we're we're kind of in this uh, awkward situation right now. Yep, I hear that. But uh, so I don't know, man. Yeah, it really does depend on how things go in the next. Yeah. Three months in the U.S. to know whether we're going to be 
great spot to be. I just have no idea how it'll turn out. <laughs> yeah, someone in the chat is saying that, you know, Toronto would be cool. Toronto would actually be financially prohibitive to most people in Canada. <laughs> well, something like half the country lives, like the population, I mean. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess that's true, since most of them are there. <laughs> incredible percentage of the country. Yeah. So, anyway, be cool with me. Yeah. Is it 40%? Yeah, it's a lot of the country. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I would like to answer number seven. If the next Street Fighter game is more technical, will older players who don't have the time to study up be able to keep up? It's an interesting question. I think that it's... Street Fighter V is not technical in some ways. But it is very knowledge-heavy. So if you're a player who has kept up in this context, in the context of Street Fighter V, I think you can do it with just about any game. That's not to say that you're going to be a top player, right? But if you can get to something like Diamond and SF5, I think you can be whatever the like pretty good rank is in Street Fighter VI or, or whatever, because you have maybe not a lot of time, but you have enough time to keep up on what the knowledge checks are and to see what other people are doing with their characters and to know what's coming and you know there's it takes time right mm -hmm. so I, I think that if you can do that with this game you could do it with Street Fighter 6 and whatever they're going to do with that mm -hmm. as in my view <clears throat> I just don't think it's a uh I'm not sure if the implication from the question that, like, right now, because Street Fighter V is more knowledge-based and technical, like what Daigo said about Nuki, you know, that it's made it so that, you know, it's harder for... So, the thing about it is, this question has this implication that the older you get, it's harder for you to keep up with the game. We don't know if that's true or not. The only reason why a lot of the older players now don't keep up with the game is because they had to quit because there was no idea that they could do this for any longer than, you know, at some point it was like, well, got to stop playing games, get a real life, get a job, you know, yep. got to make a career, got to get some money, <laughs> you know, but now we're at a point if the FGC can sustain itself, some of these young players like Punk, for example, there's no reason why he can't keep doing what he's doing until he's 50 or even 60 maybe. And if that's the case, yeah. of course he can keep up with it. Time is not going to be a problem. Time is only a problem because many of the older people have already moved on to jobs or have already done something else and they've already lost a lot of that skill and it's just too much work to go back and you're already making money and it feels good and whatever like that. You're married now because, you know, you're, you're, you're like, you, you, Back then, you had to give up playing fighting games to get married. <laughs> you know, it's not like today where, you know, your partner could be someone who knew you as a fighting game champion from the beginning and thus has no expectation of you quitting it. You know, she wants to root for you. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And so uh, it's, I don't see that there's any reason why someone who's older couldn't keep up with everything as long as they believe that it's worth their time for doing. Look at Tokido, look at Daigo, right? If, if 
if we didn't have this environment, Daigo already quit. He already quit fighting games at one point and became a Mahjong expert because there was nothing left to do in fighting games. He had to come back into fighting games and now that he can dedicate himself to it because he's like the most popular esports figure in Japan, he's obviously still one of the best. <laughs> Even in a game yeah. that doesn't suit him properly. So uh, I don't see that there's any reason why anybody who's older can't keep up as long as they have reason to believe that it's beneficial to them. So this was sent to me by a guy named Luke, who is a Diamond SF5 player. And he says that with him getting older, parentheses, 30, which caused me a great chuckle. Uh, <laughs> and with the Street Fighter, current Street Fighter being more accessible, I won't be good enough to compete in SF6 if they make it more technical. I've tried to play Third Strike against my friends at Locals, and I'm horrendous. Yeah, I don't think that Third Strike is so much more technical than SF5. Certainly some characters are more execution-heavy, but you don't need to be playing those characters. Most characters' execution is just like crouching, medium, kick, super, or whatever. It's not like something that's difficult. Don't play Yun, right, or whatever. Um, so it's already... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's technical. What it is is a big knowledge check. Yeah. It's, you have to know a lot about Third Strike. Like almost any game that's 20 years old. Right? Any good fighting game that that's old, that's that old, is going to be a big knowledge check. And Third Strike is exactly that. You have to know a ton of stuff. So I don't think it's that it's technical in some restrictive sense outside of particular characters. Instead, it's just that you have to have spent your time playing Third Strike instead of SF5. And I think that's doable. If you're somebody who can make it to Diamond Ranks in SF5, you're somebody who can be pretty good at Third Strike, sure. Mm -hmm. And you can be pretty good at SF6, too. Just depends on which game you're putting the time in, that's all. Yep. I mean, and I don't think you have to put in more time in Third Strike to get as good as you are in SF5. It's just that that had to have been time spent in Third Strike, but instead right. it was spent in SF5, right? That's, all. that's the only difference. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Third Strike and... Super Turbo, because I'm talking to someone who's trying to learn Super Turbo right now, and so much of Super Turbo is about stupid matchup-specific knowledge kind of things, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, you noogied me with Dalsam, and I'm Vega. Gotta watch out for cross-up meaty slide, you know? <laughs> it's like, because that only works on Vega and, like, two other characters or something, you know? Third Strike is the same way, right? Like, which characters can you corpse hop over randomly in the corner with Yun or whatever random character? Yeah, there's a lot you of know? stuff like that. There's a lot of that kind of stuff in there. But for all intents and purposes, those games are actually probably maybe three times easier to learn than Street Fighter V because there's one-third the characters <laughs> mm, <laughs> in yeah. those games, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has nothing to do with what the game is about. Is this that Street Fighter V has so many characters and now they're adding five more? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's just there's so much to learn in these games uh, today because there's so many damn characters in the game and uh, and because it's, it's so much more situational as well. Like I said, one of the hardest things about Street Fighter V is that you can't really go by feel as well because, I mean, this is a really small, very, very subtle thing. But in Super Turbo and in Third Strike, for example, 99% uh, of the moves have the same hit stun and block stun as 
each other and of uh, moves of their similar strength. So mediums all kind of do the same block stun. Heavies do all the same hit stun. And the hit stun and the block stun are the same uh, between the, you know, super turbo hit stun and block stun is the same. Mm-hmm. Right? And now in Street Fighter Five, you can't play... Like, one of the reasons why people don't punish Lucia's shoulder charge or even Vega's f- roll is because their hit block stuns are insanely short compared to what you naturally think that they should be. Like, there's this natural feeling of what a special move block stun should be, and they are shockingly small. And so even though Lucia's minus six on the shoulder charge, you see Lucia's get away with that, even at point blank, all the time. I see it all the time. And it's because you don't get this natural rhythm for stuff. So there's a little bit more to try to figure out there in terms of just every character is unique in every single way humanly possible. There's three times more characters, and as Tiny Tech says, and you have to keep up with patches. <laughs> and yeah, you have to keep true. up with patches. So, yeah. Yep. All right, do you want to answer any of these? Uh, let's see here. I don't uh, think the FGC, FGC should respect fighting game developers' wishes. I think we should keep modding stuff regardless. Yeah. Uh, That's like my political position about life in general, though. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I will say how often to use fighting games as an example to help explain other video games to people who also play fighting games. Actually, yeah. I try to use other video games more often to try to help explain fighting games. You know, okay. one of the most useful ones, because it's such a popular genre these days, is Dark Souls. Because for some reason, mm-hmm. Dark Souls, everyone accepts the fact, yeah, you can't, this game takes all this planning and skill, you can't just run in on monsters, you gotta like bait them to attack, and then, and then they go play a fighting game and they just hit buttons all day. You know, I'm like, just... Well, I, I would suggest that Souls is not super popular yeah, in the same true. sense, that's right? True. I mean, it's it does narrow its audience yeah (laughs) the nice thing about it is anytime i ask someone if they've played dark souls it makes it so much easier for me to teach them fighting games it Mm -hmm. always makes it that much easier because i'm like what do you do when you fight a creature in dark souls you walk in and out try to bait it to do something and blah 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 and i'm like now imagine if that was controlled by another person and there's the PvP of Dark Souls, and just think of it that way. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like, almost everyone that I've has played Dark Souls that I say that to, they're always like, wow, that makes a lot more sense all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, but I don't know if that you can use fighting games to teach other people how to play other games. I don't think well, there's a... Well, I do it all the time. Do you really? Yeah, man, in this... Rocket Arena game that we've been playing lately, uh-huh. we are constantly relating stuff to fighting games. Well, that's because constantly. you're talking to other fighting game people. What if you're talking yeah, to a non-fighting game person? Well, I guess you would have to be well, a fighting I game. I wouldn't then, but the question is, how often do you use fighting games as examples yeah, to help yeah, explain yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. to people who also play fighting games? Yeah, I do it constantly. If I'm ever talking about a, fi- a, a video game that's not a fighting game, and I'm talking to somebody who I know plays fighting games... Yeah, I'll talk about the similarities to matchups in fighting games. I'll talk about footsies. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about uh, uh, zoning for sure. All that stuff. Okay, definitely. okay. And, and and in Rocket Arena, we're we've been doing that. But I've done that forever. Like, I remember playing <laughs> League with friends and being like, "Wow, all right, this 
who's got good footsies, right? Like, which player has good footsies? Who's got good character? What right, yeah, hero yeah, yeah. or champion has good footsies? That kind of stuff, yeah, always. I mean, to be fair, now that I've read the question properly that way, dude, I use fight. When I talk to other people who play fighting games, I use fighting games to teach, to talk about everything. <laughs> It's yeah, not even sure. other games. Me and a friend have had a whole conversation about dating and love life in fighting games. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like you have to be careful. You have to approach carefully, you know, but they're just trying to throw out these buttons. You have to figure out the right moment to dash. Madge had one of, like, the greatest comments. Like, he was like, you know, when you play footsies, if you get swept, it doesn't really matter. You only take a small amount of damage. You're going to get up again. And I was like, dude, you have just, <laughs> like, that's life, dude. You just talked about life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah you know I, we are constantly doing it yeah everything is footsies dude everything is footsies which is funny because Hanzo Gonzo had that tweet where actually we probably should have talked about this where he said mm. that footsies and neutral don't actually exist <laughs> oh I didn't see it yeah he okay. had a tweet and he was like footsies and neutrals basically don't actually exist but everybody talks about them all the time because they're kind of useful, ter- useless terms Although I have rationalized neutral to a very specific definition that does make it uh, useful. I don't think that's right at all. I think I think those are both useful. Yeah. <laughs> he said, according to Mark Waters, footsies is mutual cowardice. That's hilarious. It's all kind right. of true, though. There is a truth to yeah, it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. All right, man, we're moving on. We got a little bit of extra game news to talk about. I'm trying to see his exact tweet oh, right here. I'm trying to see exactly what he said. Oh, he's talking about reactions. Man, I miss the Hanzo Gonzo Dacid Bro reaction fights. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Don't let Hanzo Gonzo fool you into thinking that he's not a genius, all right? Also, Gonzo was a pretty dang smart guy, man. Don't let him fool you. It's like part of the whole trick, right? Mark Waters has the the tweet here. Footsies is a concept invented by Street Fighter players to describe mutual cowardice. I love it. I think that's a great tweet. Turns out this is from February 3rd, but... uh, Yeah, that's a different tweet. That's a different tweet. Yeah, different tweet. Different tweet. can't spell neutral properly. Uh, Boy, your computer's not happy about something you're doing. Yeah. It's not finding anything about it. Oh, I don't know if he deleted it or not or something. Or was it just a response to somebody else or something? I don't know. Are you going <laughs> to keep looking for it? or will you... Go ahead and move on. Move on. Move on. We're moving on. Let's talk about game news as James changes the topic. Yes. Mortal Kombat 11, a little bit to discuss. The Summer Heat skin pack is available to people who own Aftermath on August 6th. Importantly, Baraka gets a chef's hat. Big that, news. Does that mean you're going to have to... Well, see, here's the question, though. He's gonna, you're going to give him the chef's hat, but I he am. technically has no lips. So can you do a chef's kiss as Baraka? Dang, that's a tough one. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> chef's hat Baraka. 
by the way, Killer Croc Baraka. And Aaron Black gets an Uncle Sam outfit, and Katana has like a summer dress and hat, or who cares. Um, also, Ed Boon said he would love to do a Nether Realm Cup. He had this tweet on Twitter where he said, After COVID, I'd love to do a Nether Realm Cup, including all of our most recent games MK9, Injustice 1, MKX, Injustice 2, and MK11. Why stop there, man? Why stop? Because those are the only fighting games they ever made. Why not bring in UMK3 and stuff? They're in the background. Those are the only fighting games they ever made. <laughs> the oh, first fighting game that Midway slash NRS ever made was Mortal Kombat 9. That's my belief. I mean, it's true for NetherRealm Studios, right? I, it's, I think it's literally true for yeah. them. Uh-huh. But I also mean in the sense that certainly nothing since the mid-90s was competitive. And the last one would probably be three, for sure. Yeah, UMK3. Would but be- I, I also don't know if... Uh, I was just going to say, actually, as Dream Eater said in the chat, I don't know if they own all that stuff. I'm not really yeah. sure how that stuff works. Because honestly, UMK3 and MK2 would be the only other games that you would put in there. The other... Yeah, there's no Mortal Kombat Deception or whatever, yeah. you know. No. Those games don't exist. Yeah. I think that'd be so cool, a NetherRealm Cup. I would definitely be all in favor of that. Every time a new NRS game comes out... I'm always so sure that the scene's going to move on, and it does, and I wish it wasn't like that. I think it'd be so cool if players kept playing the games that they actually care about. That has only really happened for Mortal Kombat. I mean, if you go back and play each of these games, there are people playing each of them. And I know that because people have been doing it lately, and they go back and they'll play Injustice 1 and find people online immediately. People are still playing it. MK9, same way, people are still playing it. So there are people who stayed with each of those games, but what I mean is, as a competitive scene, I think it'd be really cool if we did keep playing more than just one of these games at a time. I think that'd be awesome. So I'd, I'd be all in favor of this. I feel like my memory now of MK9, Injustice 1, and MKX is basically zero, as many hours as I put into each of those games. But Injustice 2 and MK11, I think that'd be super cool right. for me to play in. And for other people who are still playing those other games or still know them really well, I'd love to see that too. Yeah, and um, shoot, what the hell was I going to... Oh, it was a catch-up who even just tweeted out recently that was like, he really felt like MK... No one was ready for MK9's tag mode yet. Yeah. And now yeah. maybe it's time to go back to it. And, uh, you know... <laughs> well, pretty what? broken. Oh, is it? Is it that bad? Oh, horribly broken. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun, but it's also very broken, yeah. That game is broken in, in versus mode, dude. Right, in uh-huh. 1v1 versus mode, <laughs> let alone with the assists. Uh, but wouldn't no, it... I think that'd be awesome, though. Yeah. I would love to see it. But we'll I see, mean, though. I think that'd be cool, because, I mean, I wanted to do yeah. that for the Marvel games, right? I wanted to have an MVCI, MVC, UMVC3, MVC2, MVC1. Heck, even let's throw an X-Men Street Fighter just, you know, just to have as Kusogi as possible, Tatsunoko mm-hmm. versus Capcom. Like, I would have loved mm-hmm. to have a tournament like that, but obviously probably just never going to happen because Marvel, but, you know, yeah. it would just be neat to kind of have that kind of thing. For sure. And then only on the game news, sort of, is that the news came out that officially licensed peripherals for PlayStation 4 will also work on PlayStation 5. So that's cool. If you have an official stick, you don't have to shell out another couple hundred bucks. I don't know, though, about 
unofficial stuff. Like, will I have to get a new PCB? Will my Brook work mm. on PS5? It just depends on how they do things. And Brook's been really good at uh, making their stuff work with everything. Like, yeah. my stick works with PC and Xbox and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3 and Switch. Right. So that makes me think that they'll be able to figure out a way. But I don't know. We'll see. I really hope so. Yeah, I don't I mean, want to have to buy another one. Just like uh, Gundam Jehudikai says, you know, I was thinking the same thing. You know, they, they probably just patch the board and all of a sudden they'll make it work, you know. <laughs> they always release updates to get things to, to work. So yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it won't be immediate, right? So they'll probably have to, you know, reverse engineer something or whatever after the PS5 comes out. However that process works, I don't know. But I mean, I'm sure Sony... I don't think that will happen. I'm sure Sony wasn't fans of Brook. But if PlayStation 5 comes out and they say that all the controllers are backwards compatible, then I don't think they care. That also kind of tells me, though, that I'm scared that maybe the PlayStation 5 is going to be pretty dang pricey. Like, that they're just going to be hmm. like, hi, the console comes with no controllers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. That's all I got for game news. Let's move on to FGC news, the community aspect of things up here on the uh, overhead yeah, section. So my cat is yelling at me, so... Got it. So Parsec is working with Ubisoft. Did you hear about that? No, actually, I did not. Okay. Well, really? there's not a lot that's about it out there, but WYDD uh, on Twitter, who, by the way... I, didn't, I don't know anything about Parsec. He's working with Parsec. And when I found that out, I thought that that made sense. But there you go. Um, it, he says, or is it his thing even? I actually don't even know. I have no idea, actually. I, yeah, the, the tweets that I saw him put out were the first times that I had heard about that. But what he said is that we have made a strategic deal with Parsec team to power more stuff in Ubisoft. And, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. WYDD we'll also... was also the guy who uh, isn't he? Wasn't he the one that uh, the Samurai Showdown guys flew out to to test their delay base? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. He was. was. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. They had a whole blog post about it on their website on Parsec's website, uh, but it was really just like we're partnering, like we're gonna be mm -hmm. making streaming technology and stuff like that. So it wasn't it wasn't super concrete in terms of what it's gonna mean. But I think that's great. Yeah, like I said, the stuff that I've tested so far feels like it's great. And, uh, you know, you're really offloading a lot of the processing power onto the cloud machine. The only thing you're do only thing that's happening is that Parsec is, you know, Parsec is handling the work of, of sending you the image and the audio and sending the inputs to the other machine. And so, uh, I don't know, See, uh, it's working pretty good so far. And again, they're hiring, so if you happen to live in Bordeaux, France, or if you're willing to go there, then uh, check it out. You know, I wonder if they would have any, like, help pay for your moving. <laughs> I'm sorry, but James, you're not allowed to be in France right now. It's probably true. I couldn't go anywhere. It's literally true. <sighs> Neither of us can go to the European yeah. Union right now. Uh, other news, Sega Akihabara Building 2, previously Sega Gigo, is closing after 17 years. This is a 
arcade that's like right at the entrance to Akihabara as you walk in, like on one of the main streets yeah, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. one of the sides. Um, we've both been there. We've walked into that building. It's huge. Uh, well, it was. It's not not dead yet, but it's set to close. It's like five floors of just a ton of different stuff of some slots and some a bunch of arcade cabinets and not fighting games, but like no, not just fighting games, but whatever, everything else, right? All the stuff that's was there. Now, so that's a bummer. Is that because of COVID? Basically, did co- was COVID kind of like the nail in the coffin for it? Yeah, I don't really know. There's not a lot of news uh, as far as I've seen in terms of concrete reason why, but that seems like a reasonable guess. Sega still has other stuff, by the way, in that area, so it's not like they're completely uh, leaving, but Mm -hmm. at least one of the main ones is closing down. Well, according to choruses, Majin Obama mentioned this wasn't one of the main Sega arcades, mostly UFO catchers. Yeah, if that means not a main fighting game arcade, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Because I remember walking into there, and yeah, there wasn't a lot of fighting games in there. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, yep, yep. But it's just, it's, it's still a bummer. Yeah, because, I mean, if arcade culture can't live on in Japan, where can it live on, right? It's, it's just, I mean, that's the cool thing is when you're in Japan and you walk around, there's just arcades all over the place, and it's cool. I miss kind of having that kind of ability to find arcades kind of wherever you go. Every city that you went to, there was that arcade, you know. I know there was an arcade in UCLA, but there was even an arcade in Westwood that we used to go to all the time. And that closed really fast, you know, after the arcade scene started going down. So. Yep, I know the feeling. And and again, for those people who haven't grown up and lived in the arcade culture, you know, there is a lot of over-exaggerated romanticization of of it, but it really is. There's a reason why it happened. The over-romanticization of it happens because it was actually super awesome. (laughs) Because there was a lot of wonderful things about arcades. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There would be some big positives to it. Also, the people who grew up doing it are now in their 30s and 40s and were, like, nostalgic for the past. So when you hear any of us tell stories about it, keep in mind that all of us, even ones who try not to be, we're colored by that to some some extent. I mean, when I'm in Japan and you walk into the arcade, I talk about the growing cacophony of game noises as you walk towards an arcade. And oftentimes, as soon as you walk into the entrance, the volume just skyrockets because of, you know, acoustics and stuff. And that feeling of, like, butterflies and excitement and anticipation from going outside to into the arcade is still something that I, I don't experience anywhere else. Maybe a theme park, but even then, theme parks are stressful these days, you know. It's like, it's not quite the same. Yeah, I had the same feeling, for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. I do think that that part of it is also something that a lot of people have for whatever thing that they liked when they were a teenager in 20s. So I'm not sure that that's like an arcade-exclusive thing, but it was great to just be able to play fighting games whenever you wanted to. That was yeah. the best part. You yeah. just, I mean, you, know, you didn't need to have like a play date set up or whatever. You could just head down to the arcade and somebody right. would be there and you get to play. That was yeah, awesome. And again, for me, this is not even fighting games. This is me going in and playing elevator action and playing Mappy and playing... Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, sure. Journey. Or, earlier, yeah. Discs of Tron. Right. Oh, 
God, yeah. you know. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Well, a little bit of other community news. So, Japanese Dalson player Tori Meshi's house was exploded. He's okay, but it got destroyed by a freak gas leak at a nearby restaurant. He put a picture up on Twitter, and it was harrowing. It was debris everywhere all yeah. across this whole corner of the street. And he, it was a little slice that was like, this is where I live. And it was gone, more or less. And then he put up other pictures on Twitter of, you know, the aftermath. He went inside, and his PC was destroyed, and, you know, just all, all that sort of stuff. So um, that was really unfortunate. Really sad to hear about that. But also really nice that the Street Fighter community there came together. They did a stream and a tournament for him. They actually raised 800,000 yen, which is about $8,000. Nice. I don't know the exact conversion rate right now, but it's somewhere in those parts. And as far as the tournament goes, very fittingly, it was streamed on Itsukik's channel. He's one of the best Dalsim players in the world. <laughs> and it was won by YHC Mochi Dalsim. <laughs> Thanks to the universe for putting this together. So Dalsim won a tournament on a Dalsim player stream to raise money for a Dalsim player. Exactly right. <laughs> and the grand finals was against the Kami as well. And why did she mochi beat the cami player? So that's actually good a job, good universe. I said I said on stream that you know I don't feel like cami versus Dalsum is as bad in five as it was in four. And I totally saw, right. I saw a lot of people saying that oh it's terrible like cami still slaughters Dalsum. Is yep. that true? No, it's definitely not as bad. No, it's not. I mean she'll probably win, but it's not as bad as in four for sure. Right? Yeah, because four sure. it was like. That fight was just like one of the. That was just one of the ones that you just threw your hands up in the air. But in, in this one, I, I felt like it's like six four cami, you know, as opposed to seven three or something like that. So, yeah, seems reasonable to me. Okay. So good job to the community. I uh, hope things get better for him. And then last bit of community news, also good news. Congratulations to JJ and Max on their new baby. Yay. All I right. didn't. I didn't catch the name. Do you know what they named? Oh, them? actually, I didn't either. No, I don't okay, know. Okay, okay. I didn't catch the name, but yeah. Congrats. I just saw the tweet showing the baby. Yeah. And I don't know anything else about the baby, <laughs> but uh, congrats <laughs> to them. Ripley. That oh, is that's so rip. Wow. That's cool. so cool. <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. That is cool. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good job. Good job. Oh, that's so cute. Shout outs to them. They're very very nice people. All right. As far as upcoming stuff, there are some things happening. KI United is coming up. That will be on the 15th of August, so another week and a half. $1,000 prize pool. Mm -hmm. Kevin Bayless for commentary, graphic designer who worked at Rare on original KI, Donkey Kong Country, Battletoads. Currently 147 entrants, including many of the best. Wheels, Nikki, Bass, so, etc. That's cool. Shout out to the KI scene. Yeah. Keeping it going. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that, you know, a lot of these communities are have been finding a lot more strength, especially in the... It's weird because it's in the online... See, here, the weird thing about it is the offline scene made it so that smaller games had a harder time succeeding because everyone would have to fly out to these things. But having them so that they can run these things all online 
actually feels like kind of like a boon for, especially for these games like Ki that have actual working netcode. You know, <laughs> like one hundred percent. I think yep. it actually works out really well for them, and, and I think that's uh, I think that's super awesome. I'm happy I for the agree, Ki scene, yeah. and I I hope they can keep it up. L- running these things is not easy. It's a lot of work, and it's tiring. And you could burn yourself out very easily. Like I know, for example, shout outs to uh, Jeff the Hero. He's like taking a break from Ronin Rumble. Like the other guys wow. are, uh, his staff is continuing to run it. But like he needed to take a break and just like kind of step away for a little bit. And it's a lot of work doing these things, man. Like you guys, like it seems like it's easy. Yep. Oh, just throw up a tournament. Here we go. But like it, it's not easy. So shout outs to him. Uh, Jeff the Hero, shout-outs to the guys running the KI United. Hope they can keep doing it. Shout-outs to Spooky, who is just going nuts on NLBC streams all the time. Shout-outs to the Wednesday Night Fights crew, like Andy OCR, for doing all of the uh, Samurai Showdown stuff. It's it's a lot of work out there, man. It's it's and, yep. and, and if it wasn't for the community, you know, a lot of these games wouldn't be getting this kind of play, and it's, it's exciting. It's great, yeah. Yeah, Dream Eater does work on that front for sure uh i did commentary for two mortal Kombat tournaments over this past weekend one by rectify arena and one by cgl mm-hmm. and the the rectify one actually was held up for a while because there was another community tournament happening simultaneously and a couple of the players who had made top eight in the rectify one were also in the other one <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they actually we actually had to move on and play other people's matches for a while nice. uh, because there were actually too many events going on at the same time. Yeah. So there there is a lot of stuff going on and it's definitely not easy to run, but uh, I'm very happy that there is so much going on at once. It's awesome for the community. Yeah. Good job, everybody. And like I said, I'm sure you do, Dream Eater. Yeah. And like I said, it's great because it really gets to highlight the games with the good net code. I mean, MK is going to have that yeah. problem because MK has good net code. You know. And, and like I said, that's why everybody's going this crazy Parsec route right now. Everyone's trying to make this work because they really, really want to make sure that they can uh, try to play these games to the best of their ability because right now it just it really sucks that it doesn't work, that, that, that these games sure. that should be playable online don't work. So. For sure. Oh, yeah, no problem, Rotendo. I know you've been working. I agree with you, Duck Helmet. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Oh, I was just saying. I, I just, I, I just wanted to give shout out to Rotendo because I know he's helping a lot with that Ki United stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you tagged me in a tweet recently, and that's what got, and I retweeted it. It's what reminded me to talk about it here. So, you know, keep it up, keep it up. I just wanted to say that I think I kind of agree with Duck Helmet, who says. I like our online future. I like all the regional CPT stuff since we are seeing more different players. I agree. I agree. There's, I, would I rather have a world where we just have offline events? Yes. But since we can't, I'm really happy that we're having online events that do showcase people in more mm-hmm. places. And that was one of the potential benefits that we had talked about before <laughs> these online tournaments started, right? We, we're talking about how this is a chance to see scenes in other parts of the world in as much credibility as we would see a tournament that happens in the u.s you know we in the u.s i mean it's common right you you feel like many of us feel like we are where the good players are or like we know where they are they're in japan they're in the u.s right there's 
we're real stupid about that stuff. But there are great players all over the place, and this is a chance to frame the events that happen everywhere as having equal importance. And I think that's really great because it does give you these chances to see more players. That's so cool. Um, an example of that is that CGL ran a Mortal Kombat tournament for Africa this past oh, weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, they did one for cool. North America, South America, Europe, and Africa. So nice. They did four of them. Yeah, it must have been an incredible amount of work. Um, but yeah, that's amazing, right? And it was cool. I watched it, and the players were legit. I wish I could see them more, right? But it was so cool to see those players. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like I said, I feel like the transition to online is going to be very similar to the transition from arcades to consoles. I really, really feel that. And as netcode improves, uh, it's just going to become more and more of that. Right now, the biggest problem is that uh, the, the, big, the best way to compare it is that, let's say we, we're in the phase of Super Nintendo right now, where the reason why we don't care about the consoles is because the ports aren't accurate and it's not very good. Well, we're in that phase right now. The ports are accurate, yeah. but the online sucks. Once we get right. to the point, if we can somehow convince everybody to use rollback netcode and have it so that Skullgirls can play from freaking like Greenland to Japan, like and have like no latency, like and, and have it feel wonderful, you know, if we can get to that point, then online is going to become just as ex there won't be any of this, you know. Rushdown versus Rob TV arguments between online and offline. You're an online player. Like, that will go away eventually. Because, I mean, right. as much as we want to talk about that, Punk was born and raised online, right? I mean, that's where he came from. Yeah. <laughs> he traveled and beat everybody, so now people are like, okay, he's not just online. No, online is, is a legit way to play. So it'll get to that point once the netcode matches it. Seems right to me. That's all I have for news and upcoming stuff. Again, tomorrow, just to reiterate, is the Capcom Street Fighter V summer update mm -hmm. hosted by Kenny Omega. That's 10 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. So do your conversion for wherever you are. And that's going to have reveals, esports news, etc. We'll see. Place your we'll bets on it. Place your bets on whether or not Kenny Omega gets to kick Ono again or body slam him or something like that. So, My bet is he would love to, but he won't get the chance because Ono won't be there. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, right, I don't yeah, know, yeah. but ono, ono was not at this last thing. It's true, so. it's true, it's true. And in any case, they're not going to be in the same room. But, yeah. That's right, too. Okay. All right. All right, well, uh, shout-outs to everybody who's been playing Rocket Arena with us. We have an FGC Discord for Rocket Arena players that I'll put in the YouTube of this video if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, I've also made a updated stream overlay for a thing that I have occasionally done called Monday Morning Quarters Back, where I will review match footage that took place over the past weekend on Monday morning. Yeah. And... I mean, I had like an overlay for a while, but it was kind of half-assed, and now I just made it better, and it's kind of cool looking. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, I like it. I put myself in California Memorial Stadium, yeah. which is where the where the Cal Bears play my football team from college. So. 
It's really sick. Cool. <laughs> it's really sick. Good job Thanks, on man. that one. Good job. I even like the fact that you put the ambient crowd noise in the in the crowd footage scene <laughs> yeah, and everything. Yeah. Although I think it's funny because you know we spend all of our time talking about how esports is not sports, but you know. <laughs> But it's really, yeah, really right. about that, but yeah, it's, yeah. But I mean, see, that's the irony part of it, right? That's the trolling part of it. Right? I mean, that was intentional. You're absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> so uh, again, it's it's really sick. I, I like it a lot. I like it a lot, and I need to step up my layout game. I'm just too lazy with that. Although I've been doing cool stuff for the show, you can scrimmage though, because I, I, I feel yeah, kind yeah. of inspired by that. So, yep. Shout out to Thingy who won the. Sure, you can scrimmage. Yeah. Again. Over the past weekend. Again. That's the st- Again. first two-time winner there. But to be fair, he doesn't really play a lot offline, and he plays a lot of Marvel. So he might be better than his rank, and he just doesn't ever try to level up online. So. He's a good player, yeah. <laughs> if he wins again, we'll have to yeah. temporarily ban him from the event. I'll probably need to yeah. at that point, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It was cool. Yeah. But again, super fun event, and most important thing about it is it's really kind of starting to create like a little mini community of players of that skill level. Because as I talked about in the Unchensored, uh, top players already kind of have an a extra advantage because once you become a top player, you're in the top players club. And then Mena RD can hit up Knuckle Doo and be like, hey, let's practice. Or Punk can hit up, you know, or, or his roommate nephew, let's practice. You know, the nice thing about the show you can scrimmage is you find a lot of people at your level that you can go and try to practice with and give each other advice and, and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. I really think that's important. So Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yep, I went to Cal Berkeley. That was my undergrad. Mm-hmm. University of California boys on this stream right here. That's All right. right. I'm a UCLA guy. Chose UCLA because they had the best arcade in my area. It's 100% true, dude. It's I know, I know you said. And even for me, going to Berkeley, the arcade was a not insignificant reason why. Yeah. It wasn't the main reason, but it was part of it for sure. When I went to go visit that school with my dad, uh, I was at the time set on going to UC San Diego. That's what I thought I was going to end oh, up with. Okay. And, then I, and then I went to Berkeley, and I... You know, you know what the biggest reason was? Here's actually the biggest reason that I went to Berkeley instead of UCSD. Is... I went to UCSD. It happened to be the week where student elections were going on. Uh-huh. And, you know, there were some people out there who were, like, on the soapbox, and they'd be like, hey, vote for me. I'm planning to do whatever. And nobody's paying attention. And it was all—it was very clean, very well-kept campus. Uh-huh. I go to Berkeley, and it's, like, dingy and crazy, and campus elections are going on at the same time. And students are, like, yelling at each other, and they're protesting out there, and they're, like, super involved and i was like this is so <laughs> rad <laughs> this is where i have to be for sure uh, <laughs> so that's actually why i went there that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah because yeah. didn't your one of your brothers went to ucsd right yeah my youngest brother went to UCSD. yeah okay okay that's so yep. funny though uh yeah i mean it was it's a cool place it's a good school it's just um you know it, it didn't was also, have. It what? It was too clean. It was too. It was like anodyne. I don't know. It was something. It's like sterilized. Was, like almost yeah, sterilized. Yeah. yeah. Berkeley was just like whatever you want was there. Everything. Everything went at Berkeley. Yeah. So cool. 
the I mean Berkeley the time I visited it um uh, I mean just even the surrounding neighborhood is 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 pretty crazy as well so it's definitely yeah. it's definitely a very political politically charged area and yeah mm-hmm. that seems like it would be far more appropriate for you than 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 going to well, I mean, I, I could picture you at a party school, too, because UCSD is kind of a party school, right? Or No, nah, UCSD is not. It's a bunch of nerds like Berkeley is. Like, oh, all, is you it? know, oh, the okay. like, top-level UC schools, they're all nerds. But UC San Diego State is a party school. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, in fact, uh, UCSB for a while was a party school. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it had that reputation. And then when my brother went there, my middle brother... He went there for engineering, and their engineering department at the time was, like, top 10 in the country. I don't know how it is right now, but this was uh-huh. uh, almost 20 years ago, I guess. And uh, so he w- his experience of it was not really as a party school either. Huh. So. Interesting. Because I heard Davis is also a big party school, right? UC Davis? That, I, you know, I don't, don't have much information okay. about that. Okay. Really <laughs> anyway, it was fun. Shout out, definitely RIP to the barricade. Ugh. That's cool, Nemosaurus. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no no need to do the big stuff if you don't need to. Yeah. I mean, the, sure. it just used to be the UCLA game room. It's a great place. Made a lot of my best friends there. And uh, then eventually, when I was working there, they had to rebrand it and try to hip it up and everything. And then it was called X-Cape. <laughs> X-Cape. And I think that's what it was called when I went there. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. Yeah. And then that was where, that's how it died. It died as X-Cape and then yeah. eventually moved on to some other stuff. So. Yeah, bummer. <sighs> ah, what a time, what a time. Oh, by the way, Flow Toss, Berkeley definitely had Westboro Baptist Church types on campus as well. But we also had the like extremely leftist blue-haired guy named Stoney. <laughs> well, I mean, there's just and who knows how many hardcore leftists there, right? So there were, you had the wild, extreme religious types, and they got into shouting matches with the people who were like, "You're idiots! How can you believe any of this nonsense?" And they'd be like, "Please accept," you know, constantly, con- every single day, they would yell at each other, and so it was a blast to just like walk through the campus and be and like listen to all their debates, and uh, I often just would go sit that sit there and watch and be like okay good point good point ah you're an idiot you know <laughs> it was so fun you were always meant to watch fighting games <laughs> yeah, yeah good old stony was yeah. his name so, really yeah. stony well i don't know what his real name was but he went by stony yeah he, at that time he was i would guess in his 60s and he had balding hair but what hair he did have was blue what? and he kind of had like baggy pants and he was really loud he, I, you know I think he just lived in Berkeley and he would go to campus every day and just like hang out on campus and get into arguments <laughs> with people my, awesome. my image of what Stoney looked like changed very quickly right there when you said he's 60 years old and balding and in baggy pants oh, yeah he must have been there since the 60s for sure I, I was picturing and like a hipster more kind of you know like skinny a hippie Oh, a hippie, a hippie. Okay, uh, okay. Definitely. He was like, and I was, I was, I basically took political philosophy, that was my major, more or less. And so I was like reading Plato, and then I'd go out uh, from class and see basically Socrates, <laughs> like having these debates. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, what, a, what a cool time. He loves, 
And he loves San Dimas. <laughs> oh, man. That was cool. Anyway, all right. New Teppin uh, season is out. Woo! And, what uh, was that? I said new oh, Teppin season is out. Uh, seeing a weird shift in game. The gameplay shift is weird. It's so weird right now. Because I had this whole black deck that I used to play that whole point was that it was very revenge heavy. And I chump blocked everything and I played really slow. So they would run out of cards. And in the end, I just had all these units that would just overrun them. And now everybody's doing that. So, like, I can't play this deck anymore. It has no distinct advantages anymore. And it's made me really, really sad. (laughs) You got to find something else. Yeah, I'm going to have to go try a different deck now. But it's interesting. It's an interesting change right now. And it's very interesting early on in the season because that's when everybody is the most experimental. Because by the time you get to the end of the season, everyone wants to get that rank for Worlds, and it becomes very stagnant. But this mm-hmm. is the this is the Wild West right now, and it's actually kind of fun. I got the uh, I got the yellow blonde Morrigan skin for my free skin, which I'm sad about because Morrigan clearly sucks in the game and is like the worst hero by far because she's gotten nerfed like 90 times. And then uh, I actually like the green one better anyway, so. <laughs> like green hair morgan much better than yellow hair yellow hair is so normal green hair is where it's at hmm. well all right you want to skedaddle then dante actually has one good strong deck jason he actually has one good strong deck <laughs> uh, okay yeah that's it all right so, thanks for the follow Thanks, guys, for tuning in and hanging out again for another episode of the Tuesday Show. Um, Thanks to Phil Dingus for the sub. I totally missed that a couple hours ago. I don't see any of the notifications in the chat. Weird. Oh, well. Okay. All right. That's it. It's too quiet. There we go. Look at that beautiful hair, dude. It's almost getting ringe to the point of like ringe now at, at this point.